Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. But the newspapers continue to talk and talk of temperatures and records. The all-time 133.3 in Kilkenny Castle in 1887 hasn't been bait yet. Will it be bait today? Well, we sweltered yesterday in the hottest day of the year, and it looks like we've reached the peak uh, of whatever you want to call a heat wave, as this, I think we've had five consecutive days of this. We can we can officially say a heat wave. But the the highs they were talking about yesterday was thirty point eight, just under thirty one in County Roscommon, uh, and then the highest temperature on the island was north of the border at thirty one point three above in Tyrone. So that is hot. Ireland baked yesterday with temperatures topping thirty. Uh, as drinking indoors next week finally got the green light. I don't know how they managed to segue those two stories into the first paragraph, but they do in the mirror this morning. Another scorcher today, an indoor service to get the go-ahead next week. Lots of photographs from different beaches and piers and what have you, and outdoor swimming pools that are adjacent to the sea, stuff like that. Scorching weather photographs making all of the red tops today with the mammy warning people to make sure when you put on sunscreen... Um, or the creams or the sprays or whatever on the kids or yourself to allow some time for it to dry into the skin. It's not just lather it on and hit the water straight away. It'll wash off uh, because one of our kids got very badly burnt. And she's talking about making a silly mistake yesterday that she doesn't want others to make. But first beating the sun and then apparently in the UK they're looking forward to heavy rain and apparently on the way in the United Kingdom also, or at least parts of it, hailstones as big as golf balls. Not grapes, but golf balls. But anyway, whole indoor drinking story, of course, in the indoor dining from next Monday. And all of that in spite of the Delta variant looming where we could have 4,000 cases a day. According to who? Leo Vereiker. 4,000 COVID cases a day, possibly, and up to 500 people in hospital a day across the summer. Um, so there will be carnage, they're saying in the echo. Not the hospitals and not the ICUs, but the restaurants and the bars themselves. And yesterday, of course, we had Con O'Driscoll on from Longboats in Ballantemple saying they're going to close for the fortnight, and we chatted with him on air. Um, the echo pick up and talk as well as well with Con O'Driscoll, the manager of Longboats. They also talk with Mike Ryan uh, at uh, the Corn Store and uh, Cockbull. They speak with Benny McCabe, who ain't going to open for a couple of weeks uh, and just see how things go. Uh, and they also talk with Paul Montgomery. They talk with management at um, they talk with management at Dwyer's. All of them, actually, apart from, as I say, Benny and Longboats, uh, are quite excited and happy and um, very much looking forward to welcoming customers back indoor. But as to how it's going to go, who knows? Will it be a happy Monday um, or will it be a, a day fraught with all sorts of issues with people asking for vaccine passports and stamping their hands and limiting their times? Well, they shouldn't be limiting times because there will be no limit. Uh, but there are, are all sorts of guidelines again this morning. You'll, have a, you'll, you'll know exactly what's happening later today for the announcement and indeed uh, the laws on this will be published and printed today. So groups will be limited to six people at tables. The tables will be one metre apart um, where there are no children. Where there are children, two metres apart. What's a child? Well, any age, to be quite honest with you. Now, I know that Stephen Donnelly got into a bit of a brouhaha. He wanted um, uh, the whole rule regarding children being left indoors in hospitality to be under 12s. 
but it is actually under 18s, which means it, it it's all kids, really, because after that, of course, you're, you're dealing with adults. Mind you, you, it means that a son or a daughter, I suppose, who's 19, 20, 21, 22, and that kind of thing, without, without a COVID pass, without a QR code, cannot go in, but the under 18s can. So that's the kind of stuff and, and lots more besides. But normality has to wait, according to the mail today. Why do they say that? Well, because there are lots that won't be getting back to normal, including... Um, weddings. I was reading there this morning online. Leah Varadkar has told couples plan for 50 guests for an August wedding. But I'm wondering how many had anticipated a big change across July and August and were already booked, have already booked bigger weddings. Like say, for instance, how many people have booked in August already and invited a hundred people? So that's not going to happen. And this there's no, there'll be no kind of indoor first dance or band or jock or whatever. I wonder how many people are doing the first dance and as much as they can of the wedding outdoors. Um, so anyway, he's telling couples to plan for 50 because there ain't going to be any change with regards to that in August. They indicated in June, you see, that the number of guests would increase to 100 in August. He's now saying, no, that's not going to happen. All the things that won't happen anytime soon. Nightclubs, discos, casinos, bowling alleys, alleys, play centers, amusement arcades, bingo halls. People are crying out for bingo, you know. Indoor summer camps, circuses, um, swimming pools, which are closed for, you know, recreational activity. They're going to be used for individual training and lessons and stuff. Baptisms, first holy communions and confirmations. So as you can see, there's still quite an amount that needs to get back to normal, as they say. Uh, and of course, travel dominates many of the papers today. And uh, see the member ta- this morning talking about the figures through Cork Airport. Um, Cork Airport is seeing a daily average of 1,200 passengers. Many of them going to the sun, not all of them. Normally, this time of the year, it wouldn't be 1,200. It would be 10,000 passengers a day. I mean, isn't that incredible? 10,000 a day. The moment we have 1,200. It's 1,200 more than there was last month, though. But in Dublin Airport, the daily figure now is um, 151,000 a week. 151,000 a week. But that's down from nearly 800,000 a week since the same period in 2019. So there's still a long way to go. But Malta really is the big ticket item at the moment with uh, with what what may, may happen in other sun countries across the summer. You can't say that it will, uh, but we have tourists in mandatory quarantine, Irish tourists in Malta now, after the HSE vaccine cards were not accepted. So we'll come back to more travel-related issues. It's a busy morning, paper-wise. Uh, also, the papers talk today of um, the fact that only 7% of all the calls uh, to the helpline actually have been resolved. They're getting, they say, 40,000 calls uh, in the past two days. But really, I'd say if that's the ones they're answering, there must be 100,000 or more that aren't being answered. Uh, so more on that. I'm sure you guys have opinions on that are recalling. Um, and also another one that I hope to come back to in the coming days with regards to insurance, because there's all sorts of stuff regarding insurance uh, in the papers of late. One of them had to do with payouts and compensation. And this morning, it's a lead story in the examiner. Did you know that if you're a loyal customer to an insurance company, um, you are being penalized more than somebody who is a new customer. In fact, if you're a loyal customer and stay with the same insurance firm, whether that's house insurance, car insurance, boat insurance, whatever, you are going to be paying 14% more. Say as an example, on your car insurance, you're going to be paying 14% more than say somebody who is a new customer who picks up the phone or does the business online with the same insurance company. Um, 
I think it's it's amazing that loyal customers, say of nine years, can pay 32% more on their home insurance than a brand new customer and 14% more on their car insurance. I mean, is that ever a lesson to you with regards to shopping around? Um, the RT figure for Eurovision, which turned out to be a, a right lame duck for the Irish, that cost us €330,000. That was the Eurovision contest bill when you add up all of the travel, the hotel, the food and the drinks. And I know we didn't do well, far from well, but apparently it's um, at least one thing. It's 6,000 less than 2019. I can't even remember what happened to the Irish Eurovision entry in 2019. I'm quite sure it didn't do well, unfortunately. And there's some interesting research um, for those of you that might like to know. Irish couples have sex after an average of three dates. Not on the first, not on the second, but it would appear on the third. Um, research this morning that makes the papers also says that uh, those who meet through a dating app or a dating site are the fastest to slip between the sheets uh, because a dating app date, sex on the second date, a holiday romance or meeting somebody through more traditional means the third date. The Neil Prenderville Show. Ah, yes, lines open. one 850 You can text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone on one 850 Michael! Michael! Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm very well. Um, you're working uh, in Bill Keery's, aren't you? I am in Keery's car store. Oh, in the car store. Nice one. And are you getting married in a few weeks' time? Well, that was the plan. So this is our third attempt at getting married. We were originally getting married in Killarney last year with a, a wedding list of 285, a proper big Donegal wedding. Wow, that is a proper <laughs> big country wedding, isn't it? Yeah, we were doing it properly. But look, with COVID and everything that's going on, look, we, we, we had to deal with the consequences. So we Just we one thing, you're not on a speakerphone, are you? No, I'm not. Okay, no. so 285 got knocked on the head, obviously. Go ahead. So then we planned for June of this year, but again, with everything that's going on, we said we'd hold off. So we decided then to get married in our home county of Donegal. And so our date was the 14th of August. We were planning for 100. And again, based on everything that we were being told from the 7th of August on, they said you can plan for 100. And now with yesterday's news announcements, we're looking at going back to 50 after sending out our invites. When you had the 285, did you have to get in touch with all of your guests? Well, well look, between, between private messages, friends and family passing on the messages, look, we, I suppose we were heartbroken at the time, so we, I suppose the family kind of kicked in and helped us along with it. So, yeah, look, it was very, very disappointing at the time. But look, with everything that's going on, it was fully understandable. Okay, okay. Uh, so then you, you knocked that on the head. Uh, decided then to um, book for 100 because as I was saying a while ago the indications in June were that it would go to 100 in August so now you've got to pick now you've got to what would that how are you going to work out the 100 down to 50 so yeah look again we're on the fence so do we cancel do we keep it going what will be the plan towards the end of the year will it happen it, it's just the unknown and it's just it's just very annoying because if there was a clear message there, like they, they said, get vaccinated, protect the elderly, protect the vulnerable. We seem to be doing that. 65% of the population are now fully vaccinated. They're saying 5% will be vaccinated every week. So it, it's just very frustrating when we're doing everything we're being told. Then they give you this bit, glimmer of hope and then they pull back again from it. Yeah. So have you made a call on it? Will the, will the, no. wedding, will the wedding go ahead in three weeks? 
We we don't know. It uh, it all depends. Now we're we're just waiting, and we're playing it day by day, and we're just waiting to see what happens. Like you will recall that there was a time when there was twenty five at a wedding, and then I think it went to fifty in July, didn't it? And the plan then was a hundred for August. Um, do you yeah, do you and, and, yeah yeah? Do you think you'll get a response to the email from Varadkar? And what's the point of that? Well, well, look, I suppose part of it was venting. Uh, it's very frustrating. And, and look, I understand people have been in worse situations than us. They, they've, they've had their weddings with their 25 and even our neighbours got married with six people. And, and look, we've no issue with it as long as there was clear guidance and we were told a clear message. The problem is it's very confusing at the moment and it's very frustrating and it's only creating anxiety out there. If, if there was a clear message and everybody held their guns and, and went with it, it, it'd be fine. We would have gone with our 50 and planned for a 50 if we were told that, but it's just very frustrating when it's constantly being changed. You're not going to believe this, but I did hear something on one of the BBC channels yesterday, I think it might have been BBC Radio 4, of somebody in a similar scenario with 100 and, and then it being knocked back to 50. And what she decided to do was to get back to the couples and ask only one of the couple to attend. So she got one part of the hundreds, you know what I mean? Yes, yes, and that's always an idea. I suppose the problem is even with the fifth you're cutting out family. And look again, I don't want to I don't want to sound so I get the message the wrong way. Like people have been in worse situations, but the, the main thing is and the frustration is coming from the mixed messages from the politicians. Oh sure I know, I know that, but I'm just wondering how you would resolve it. There was a, there was there was you know, I've dealt with this in the past where, you know, two hundred and eighty five people at a wedding I mean, that would go a long way to uh, buying a house, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, well, look, we're, we're blessed and fortunate enough. We have a house at the moment, so uh, we're, we're lucky there. But, but yeah, look, of course, it's great having a big wedding. It's great having your family and friends. You want so a big actually, day, don't you? You and Julie want uh, to be. And incidentally, how yeah. is Julie bearing up in all of this? Uh, look, she's very disappointed and she's, uh, she's very frustrated. It's just heartbreaking for her. And, and I suppose... The goodness has been taken out of it every time. Like she cried when we were, when she was told on the news uh, plan for a hundred in June, and then for it to be taken away from you again, it's very frustrating and it's very difficult. But is it really worth it? Even if say it was a hundred, would you still have no music and no first dance, and would everybody be in masks and at their own tables? Yeah, there, there will be, but apparently you are allowed to have live music as long as the band can um, provide a screen to cover themselves. So I know there wouldn't be any dancing, but you'd still be able to have live music at that stage. Would you? In, in August, but not now. Not now, no, no. But in August, with a big screen covering the entire band, yeah. Yeah, and is that going to happen anyway in August? Look, look again, we, we don't know. I and, doubt and it. I think it's as you were for August, I'd say. Yeah, look, it, again, we, it just, it's the unknown at the moment. I, I, I we were told, and, and the hotel were under the belief there was going to be a, a full announcement yesterday, so we're hoping that by early next week we should have all the details and all the fine print to know what we're working with. Yeah, but I, I think I, I would be very, very much surprised if the goes to 100, because what they are saying is you're looking at 4,000 cases a day and 500 in hospital every day. They'll... And hopefully all of those will make a recovery, don't get me wrong. But they'd hardly be up opening up weddings with those kind of numbers, you know? And look, again, yeah. weddings are not the number one priority. People's safety is, and that is the number one priority for the government and for ourselves to keep each other safe. But should they, wait, look, but there'd be more than 100 people indoors in big restaurants next week. See, see that's the thing. And, and again, if you were not to call it a wedding and you said cancel the wedding but have a big meal, what's, what's stopping, you know, a hotel of having six to a table and everybody showing their vaccine cert when 95% of the guests would be vaccinated? That's the kind of carnage we're talking about that could potentially happen. 
And again, I, I, I wonder have they considered these things, you know? Okay, so your email to Leo Varadkar says, I can't believe you're part of a government that consistently changes their policies, causes immense stress in people's lives, including my own. This is my third attempt of having what, uh, having a, have, of, of having somewhat of a day in the middle of a pandemic. Keeping in mind, we had planned for a hundred guests based on your announcement for the 14th of August. You asked us to stay safe, get vaccinated. We have done it. This included the elderly and the vulnerable. This is not leadership. This is scaremongering, destroying people's lives. You should be ashamed of your actions as an elected party leader. Kind regards, Michael. Let's see if you get a response to that. Yeah, look, I'll keep you informed. If we can get a response back, it'd be great. Listen, before I let you go, how's the motor trade? You do do pre-owned, don't you? Yeah, we do. Look, it's, it's quite busy at the moment, thank God. We're, we're busy at the moment, which is great. Uh, look, we've got some great, fantastic deals out there if anybody's interested, get in touch. But uh, yeah, that's, that's it. And no problem with stock? I mean, is there is there since Brexit or anything, or still able to get the cars uh, yeah, in and look, out? It, it has taken a small bit of a hit with, with Brexit, but again, look, we're, we're trying our best just to keep everything ticking and moving and make sure that we're able to offer value for everybody out there. All right, my man. Good for you. Appreciate it. Regards to everybody at Kiri's and indeed to you and Julie. I need you to stay in touch now. Let me know what happens next. I will do, Neil. And I, I thanks for taking the call. My pleasure. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 86 104106 Red FM. I'm a blast through many texts and uh, emails throughout the course of this morning's program. But I want to stay with calls if I could. Uh, Kieran O'Mahony joins me from the Southern Star. Kieran, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? <laughs> I tell you one thing. I don't know whether James uh, Judge James McNulty does jigsaw puzzles, but if he doesn't, he should because he'd be very good at them. Trying to work your way through this one. So this is a yeah. West Cork man. A Cork City man, um, a fictitious woman called Mary McCarthy, and someone in America. Um, yeah. This is uh, an intricate uh, romance, fraud romance involving nineteen grand at least. Yeah. Yeah. And it was it was before Judge McNulty's court yesterday. What was it all about? No. Yeah. I'm. I, I'm sorry. It was last week. Actually, last Thursday. Actually. Oh, okay. Uh, sorry. You yeah, went. To, okay. It, you went to print yesterday. Okay. Yeah. 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 Basically, uh, a 32-year-old man from Cork City appeared in court. He was charged with four charges under the Money Laundering and Terrorism Finance Act because he had allowed his bank account to be used to defraud a, another person in West Cork. But what it turned out was that the uh, West Cork man had made a complaint to Brandon Gardy that he was, had joined the Plenty of Fish dating website and he got chatting to this person who her name, name was proposedly Mary McCarthy, and he transferred on four different occasions money into a bank account that she had given him details of. 900, 800, uh, and 200. Yeah. Why? And finally, yeah. 50. Why? Well, I mean, we don't know. I suppose, you know, they got chatting and they were probably having an online relationship, and she probably said she needed money for this and that, and the men transferred the money. Um, so he made the complaint and Guardian Band invested. Why did he make a complaint? Like he, he gave her the money, she said she'd repay him. He gave her all the money across March yeah. and early April. So he gave it all to her within like five weeks. Did it all go quiet then or something? Yeah, I think that's, I, I don't think it was said in court, but that's the assumption that everything went quiet then. And okay. then he realised he wasn't getting the money back. What did he do then? Went to the guards? So, yeah, he contacted the Guardian Bandon. Uh, investigations were ongoing and they contacted the AIB, uh, AIB Bank to find out where the money had gone and they were able to see that the 
the this West Cork man, the money had gone into this other man's uh, bank account. In Cork City. In Cork City, yeah. So uh, in June last year, uh, the Cork City man was arrested at his home and was told that his bank account had been used for money laundering. And during during a subsequent interview then, he said he claimed that he was the victim of fraud as well. And that he had given this person purporting to be Mary McCarthy his bank details um, when he was uh, having an online relationship with her after meeting her on Plenty of Fish. So she had told him, she had spun him a yarn that... What was the yarn? Yeah, that she was from Mayo, but she was in, in Ohio, and that she was trying to sort out family affairs there, and she couldn't get clearance on checks because she wasn't a resident and she needed money. So she couldn't so get clearance on checks because she wasn't checks, a U.S. Yeah. resident, so she needed money. Yeah. Yeah. So over a two-year period then, he paid over 19,000 euros to her, and he even paid for her flight to come to Ireland, and he gave up college as well. Why? Uh, during the process. I suppose, I think, to fund paying her the money. He gave up college to get a job to, to keep funding? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. I mean, he was totally uh, taken in, and even his solicitor uh, said that, that like she, the, her client had never met the person or spoken to her on the phone. And all communication was by uh, WhatsApp. Yeah. And of course, he didn't tell anybody anything about this 19 grand that he gave to her. No, no. Um, no. You know, he he was probably mortified and just wanted to keep it private. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which he said in the course himself, he was very embarrassed. And he had no idea that uh, his his, uh, bank account would have been used as part of a romance scam. And he did say, like, that there, there was a bond between them, but... What kind of a bond? And and I think the judge asked this as well. How can you fall in love with somebody online? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did ask that, and he said that. Um, yeah, the defendant said it was just a bond. He couldn't go further than that, really. But um, Judge McNulty did tell him like, that he needs to stop hiding in the attic and get out there, really. Yeah, he, he yeah, he her. did. In, in fairness to me, he was. He was very kind to him, actually. He said, kind, yeah. he said that, and he said, this man has more sinned against than sinned. Uh, it was devious betrayal of his kind nature. He fell for a hook, line, and sinker. And, and I think he said that the man had a nice manner and there was no need to be yeah. hiding in the attic. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, and, uh, yeah, go on. No, I just think that he dismissed the charge then under the Probation Act. Who and, was, uh, it, who was in the court? Was it, were the two fellas in court or was it just the no. city guy? No, just the city guy because he was the man charged on the four charges of money laundering. So your one just got away with it scot free. Yeah. The nineteen plus probably the bones of another uh, yeah, exactly. two grand, I suppose, from the West Cork yeah. man. Yeah, and who knows? There may be others. That's my next and point. Like, yeah, she yeah. she could have a load of balls jug- juggling in the air. Exactly, exactly, yeah. and using the bank accounts as well. So. People may be unaware their bank accounts could be used in fraudulent transactions like that as well. So none of the... Oh yes, absolutely, yeah. None of the investigations from the Irish Guardi led them to a bank account in America or Castle Bar no, or anything, no? No, The trail... Like, George McNulty did query about surely that it could be trailed back, but Guardi said that they weren't successful in finding any, any, I suppose, online trail. Do you know what I was wondering as well when I was reading the court reports in the Southern Star? Why did it ever get to court... I mean, could that yeah. not have been unpicked before court, like that these men were victims? Oh, I suppose, well, I suppose they didn't really know. Until it got into court. The, yeah, they didn't know, the, I suppose, the whole situation, really. And, like, it was, 
I suppose it is a charge of using someone's bank account and dropping the money in and taking it out. Yeah, but as soon as you take a look into it or lift the lid on it, you can see what was going on. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. I don't under, I don't know there, actually. Uh... I wonder if this is very prevalent. What do you think? That a lot of it is happening below the radar and people are just yeah, licking exactly, their wounds yeah. privately, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you would, yeah, you would want to be out proclaiming that you were the fraud of money from meeting someone online. Because they could spin a very good yarn. You yeah. know, I have a sick relative or I'm looking after a you parent yeah. and it's costing me a fortune. And Mary obviously did to, to this uh, guy, you know, saying that she needed the money to start out her affairs there. You don't know what country this Mary McCarthy was in, no? Oh, no, like the Gardy said, they have no idea. They don't even know if I was a female. Could have been a male. It could have been another country. Oh, my country God, altogether. of course it yeah. could have been a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So like, I thought there's a warning there for people to be really aware I mean, I recall, just before I let you go, I recall speaking to a woman on the air some time back who gave a guy over 10 grand. Um, I, did the, I did the recording, recorded it the whole lot, had a lengthy conversation with her. And then she called me later that day and said, listen, I, I really don't want you to air my conversation with you. I am just too ashamed yeah. that people will recognize my voice. But that was over 10 yeah. grand to a guy she fell in love with online. She fell in love with, yeah. Amazing. Warning. Absolutely. Uh, that yeah. court report is in this week's Southern Star. Thank you, Karen. Appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Cheers. Uh, I know we've been talking about fraud a lot uh, re- recently, and I also have one of those scam calls. Remember, I didn't actually get to it yesterday. It's one of the scam calls. PPS is being used for fraudulent activity. You're going to be arrested, etc., etc. I'll come back to that a little later on this morning. Can I just stay with weddings, actually, because they gave with one hand and took away with another. The idea was that in August, weddings would double from 50 to 100. A lot more is happening, of course, from Monday with your indoor dining, restaurants and, and bars and what have you. Um, but it ain't going to happen for weddings. Neve, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? How's, How's that you make you feel? Uh, you know, Neil, it's, it's frustrating to say the least. And as I know, I'm not the only one. And we're not the no, only but it is your thing. story. And you're, 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 you're together 10 years and due to get married on the 14th. And, and yes. we're supposed to get married in May and cancel that, isn't it? Yes, no, that's right, that's right. And I, I suppose we're, we're one of the couples, I suppose, and there's many with us, I suppose, that the last minute planning, so there's been a bit of a buzz, there's been a great... I know, exactly. ...between the families, as you can imagine. Like everybody else, people are going on holidays, people are flocking to the beaches, which is great to see a bit of normality. We have a fair few families that are travelling from up the country down, and there's, just, there's a great buzz about it, and I think we're at the kick in the teeth was last night was the blaseness and the flippancy of how they made the commentary mm. with no with no plan, no strategy in place. And it's just a kick in the teeth. And like we've been there, we've had the 25 list, we've had the 50 list and there was Prosecco, Cava, everything popping when we got to the 100. And the thought of having to make phone calls to family, to elderly family, people that have taken annual leave, people that are booked into hotels, people, family that are from up the country that are saying, you know what, now we're looking forward to coming down to Cork. We haven't been to Cork in 18 months. We're going to make a holiday out of it. I know, I know. Going to get a new dress, going to get a new suit, yeah, going to get you know, new shoes, like, yeah, going to get pampered, going to get the hair exactly. done. Exactly. Yeah. We have two small kids that are just living for this, two girls, that they are just living for this moment of, oh my God, we get to see all the family, we get to see the cousins and everything and the aunts, the uncles. And what the killer point is that 
I could go and literally book out the pub round the corner in two weeks' time for 100 people. You could. What is the difference? You could, and you, could have, you could have six of them sitting at each table. Uh, they could be a metre apart. Uh, and you'll be breaking no guidelines, no rules, no rules, no like, laws. Yeah. Like, yeah. Half me thinking, is this, is this the last straw that they're literally trying to hold on to with the guards' control, with the guards' people's lives? And I'm not a conspiracy theorist in any way, but it's just, there's no rationale, there's no rhyme or reason or you know, yeah. logic behind any of this at the moment. And do you know what I was also thinking? If you had, say, 100 people at your wedding, right, and they were all seated at tables, you'd have a seating plan, right? So you would oh, know, goodness. you would know where everybody was sitting. So for contact tracing, it would be a doddle by comparison to if there was an outbreak in a pub or a restaurant. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Like, we could even, like, I know we, we were not going to do this, but we were even saying, I think I could put 100 guests on a plane and go to Spain. Yeah, yeah. You could rent uh, a pub exactly. indoors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. And, and why, don't, like, why, why don't you do something like that, No. <laughs> Oh, trust me, five years ago, we, we didn't even know what we were going to do. But it's, we're in it, we're in the moment, we're looking forward to it, we're enjoying it, we've put blood, sweat and tears into it, and now a lot of money has gone into it. The suppliers have been the best in the business that I've ever dealt with. Some, I have a DJ booked, he's not willing to take a deposit, he's like, no, neighbor, I wouldn't do it to you. It's, it's just so different for, not even us, but for suppliers, the industry itself. And I think what... It, it was just the way that the flipping comment was made a week to go to the start of August. Mm-hmm. Like, I know there was the announcement stated the 5th of August it would take with effect. We're nine days after that. What about couples that are getting married in around the 5th of August? I think August? a lot of people were hanging on the 5th of August and had made bookings and sent out invites for of 100. Course. Yeah, I think, yeah, of I course. think loads. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And I think it's, it's a controlled environment. And I think that's what the kick in the teeth is. It's more controlled than any outdoor dining or indoor dining setting. Like the, the square footage of any function room is a lot larger than any indoor dining venue. It's, um, it's a vast open space. Like it's, it's not a case, would it be a case of we could have 100 if they were vaccinated and had COVID certs? No, that wouldn't it's, make it... it no, and, and you see, I think this is it. I think if you look at the average age of people getting married, you're probably averaging between 30 to 40 year olds. Right? Family around you, averaging 30 upwards. Right, 90% of guests are going to be vaccinated. I know, I know. I know. It's just there's no logic. And, and then you have under 18s unvaccinated, whether you agree with that or not, inside in pubs, and you have staff in there of a similar age, unvaccinated, serving indoors in pubs. Exactly. Like, I work, I work inside in the city centre, and it has been so destroyed looking at the crowds out on the Cork Docklands over the last six months. I know, but I can't blame them. You know, I mean, like no, they're, no, not, they're being at all, not at all. Yeah. But I they're outdoors, and the vast majority of them are behaving. Not all of them, but exactly. the vast majority. No, not at all. But I think it's out of the principle of the fact that there's a lot more than a hundred people sitting outside on the court. Office. What are you going to do? We we did sit last night, and we did put down a fifty list just in case. Um, but that's not an easy list, and it's not going to be easy calls to make. So, unfortunately, I suppose. The reason for sending the email last night was nearly just to get my thoughts out of my head. Yeah, well done. I put yeah. it down on paper. Yeah, and I covered most of the email, I think. If I'm missing anything, yeah. let me know. I'm just curious. No, 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 no. If you get 100 down to 50, the, the 100 are 100 people, but they're actually probably 50 couples, aren't they? Um, they are, more or less. More or less. Exactly. So would it yeah. be a case that you go back to the couples and ask only one of the couple to go? 
it's, you know, that's that's initially where we were at when we started. I suppose a few months back we were looking at the 25 and the 50 list and there unfortunately it was coming down to not the partners maybe been involved or not the partners been invited. But we have lost kind of a few couples due to travel restrictions as well. I have family, um, unfortunately, that are based uh, further afield that can travel. So whilst they were coming off the list, we were including other couples as well. So there's... It's a different tack now, though, because the invitations have gone out. Yeah, and no. It's a different conversation to have, and it's a harder conversation to have. Okay, well, that's your challenge now going forward. It's the manner in which it was done. Uh, yeah, outdoor hospitality, indoor hospitality from Monday. Oh, and by the way, uh, we're not changing weddings. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you know, that's what I'm kind of hoping as well. Enough of us kind of maybe vocalising the rationale that we see. Um, that maybe the government aren't saying that maybe the penny might drop. In yeah, well, I mean, it's one thing for the couples. I wonder how the hotels are coping with this, and exactly. also the and also the yeah. wedding planners. They must be of up to course. ninety. Of course, and even musicians. Every any acts or anything like that that would usually perform at uh, wedding ceremonies, be it drinks receptions or afterwards, that's their livelihoods. Yeah, I know. Like, it, it, this isn't just a small a small aspect of people's lives. It's people's livelihoods as well. I think that they're impacted. Thanks for the email and thanks for coming on here, Neil. No problem at all, Neil. Thanks for having Thanks me. so much. Text 0868104106 if you've thoughts on that. Or indeed, if you were planning on 100 in August, pick up the phone on 1850104106. A little bit of clarity, if you don't mind, guys, because uh, I know that Secret Garden did gigs and there were, um, you know, many of the gigs that they did over a five-day period were single artists or there were two I know that George Patterson played and I think he had, I think he might have had a piano player with him so it would have been a maximum of two. Are we to assume now that it is okay to have a musician or two musicians distant outdoors on court, in courtyards or in uh, beer gardens? Um, I'm assuming that that's okay now because like we've, I've been hearing about that. I've been seeing videos of, of different uh, bars and restaurants that have a musician outdoors. Um, am I 100% accurate on that that's okay because uh, if I can get some sort of guidelines from you guys on that, if it's okay, then maybe we should be encouraging more establishments, more pubs with courtyards, more restaurants, more gastro pubs with uh, maybe beer gardens to be employing musicians um, on a singular basis um, just to get them back working back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Happy, happy, happy birthday to Josie Silo, who is 105 years young today from our friend in Cork, Karen O'Brien. What an incredible achievement, 105 years. Congratulations, Josie. Happy birthday, not just from Karen, but from all of us as well. Well, we know of all of the confusion and delays and wait times uh, with regards to the um, uh, COVID helplines, the uh, you know, as in the COVID cert helplines or the query helplines, even though there are two of them, but there's also continuing confusion with regards to passports. And just a fast email on that, and I'll go back to the phone lines then, because uh, I've done some maths for you, Sarah. We're due to travel to Switzerland on the 30th of July. We applied for my son's first passport at the start of June. I'm going to assume that was the 1st of June. We were given an estimated date of issue for the 9th of July. I knew there was a backlog, but thought we would have a good three weeks to play with. Uh, so we booked flights to Switzerland. Remember now, they're going to Switzerland on the 30th of July. My partner works there, you see, and because we were planning to travel with him, he worked on a few extra weeks to have time off with us when we arrived. Um, my son hasn't seen his dad in two months now. He's working in Switzerland. We're going out to meet him. Unfortunately, uh, his passport hasn't been issued, as in 
My son's passport hasn't been issued and my passport is also on hold with his. We've exhausted every route we can think of. Helplines, web chats, Twitter and email. All we've been told is there's nothing can be done. My son is so excited for his first holiday and his first flight. He has a suitcase ready to go for the last two weeks and he just can't wait to see his dad. I know it's a long shot, but I don't know who else to try. If you or your listeners have any other options for me, I would be very grateful, says Sarah. Um, all, all I can do for you is tell you that according to the DFA website now, the Department of Foreign Affairs, the current wait time for first passports is 40 working days. Now, 40 working days is eight weeks. Eight weeks is pretty much two months or maybe a little longer. So if you applied for the passport on the 1st of June, you should be getting it around about the 1st of August. Uh, it may come a little earlier and you might make the flight on July 30th. It might come a few days after the 1st of August, which means that you won't have made the flight. Uh, so you're in a very, very, very hairy predicament right now. The clock being ticking. They're saying the current wait time is 40 working days. You really need it to be um, 35, 32, 30 working days to safely get it in time for a July 30th um, flight. So that's that's where you're at. I mean, I, I'm not so sure that we can do it a whole lot more unless you give some more details and maybe we could call uh, Department of Foreign Affairs. God knows they're fed up of hearing from us now, I can tell you that. Anyway, lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Back to the phone lines. Mary, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How yeah, are you? I partly guess there would be a lot of people who had been anticipating a hundred in August. Uh, are you in the, are you the same? Yes, we had been hoping for a hundred, and um, we have gotten our numbers down to seventy four. Um, and we kind of would have been a hundred percent happy with that. There would have been no problem. Um, but <clears throat> we have cut everything. Like anybody who can come without a partner, we have invited without a partner. Um, you know, so we'll see girls I went to college with, they're leaving their husbands at home. Mm. Um, people my partner works with, they're all leaving their other halves at home. Mm. And only people will say who don't know someone else there well enough to to come on their own. They've gotten to bring their partner. And you, know you know don't I mean? know whether the partners who are staying at home are happy with that. You're assuming they are. There's nothing you can um, do about it. You know, with, yeah, people people are fine. Everybody's saying, don't worry, don't worry if you have to cut me. But it's not about worrying how they feel. It's worrying about the people that you want with you on your day, you know. Um, like, we went up to court there a couple of weeks ago to pick up our wedding rings and we stayed in the Dean and there was easily 150 seated in the restaurant. Lovely night. Everybody was spaced out, social distancing. Um, and I know, but no still problem. in all, there was 150 spaced out, not a bother in the Dean. Yeah, And, and you were 50 and at a wedding. And I have also, like, we're, we're older, shall we say. We won't put an age on it, but okay. both of us are older. So all our guests would be ranging from, number one, the only people that aren't vaccinated are two kids and um, and one nephew. That's it. Everybody else is vaccinated. Um, the average age of our guests is probably ranging from 40 and upwards. Um, so everybody's vaccinated, you know. Like um, an, an under 18 unvaccinated can go indoors and over 18 unvaccinated cannot yeah we have nobody in that category so you're even safer again yeah we have all vaccinated and the only three that aren't are under 18 an 8 year old a 3 year old and a 16 year old and why why do you think weddings are being targeted like this I mean there's very little difference between your 100 at a wedding and the 150 guests eating indoors in the Dean there's no music you you know 100% you're not like was was there going to be dancing at your wedding 
No, we're not allowed to have music. So we can have the... a Spotify playlist, but that's it. We can't have any entertainment. We had booked entertainment and now in fairness, like that other person was saying, the band didn't say, no, we're not going to take a deposit off you or anything. But like, you know, they're, they're hoping for hope that they'll be playing. The hotel is hoping for the bigger numbers because obviously they'll make some well, money. When would a band be know? allowed to play at a wedding? Don't know. Yeah. What about a comedian? Uh, I have someone like that booked and I'm told no entertainment whatsoever. What about uh, a magician? Uh, like say I have someone like that booked and I'm told no entertainment um, and it, it apparently depends on the hotel. Some hotels are allowing it, some hotels aren't. People that are registered with this with some board, I, I don't know which, are kind of sticking to it because they don't want to have the finger pointed. And I get that. I, I'm not blaming the hotels at all. But maybe what I'm hoping for is that the hotels can band together and say, right, look, why are we any different in our restaurant than in that restaurant? This is a restaurant. This is indoor dining. Show your vaccination cards. I'm happy to do that. I have no problem. But I if you had 150 guests cards. and you booked out a restaurant in a hotel for 150 guests... And and it was actually a wedding, but you didn't say it was a wedding. What would actually happen? I don't know. I mean, who's going to say it? I don't think there's anybody going to be calling in and saying, you know. Uh, and and it would be. I mean, it would be a halfway point. It would be uh, uh, something that they could say, right? Okay, you know, at the church you can limit your numbers or whatever. That's fine. But coming back to the reception, you know, your maximum capacity, taking into account. Um, social distancing and you know six per table or whatever. Why can't that be allowed? You know, if it's allowed in a in a pub, a huge pub. Look at the huge pubs in Cork and Dublin. You know that can seat lots of people. I sure I know. Um, it's just very you know, frustrating for you because you can come up with loads of different arguments as to why you're yeah. being victimised. A couple of texts for you. Next week is August. People will have bought outfits, Neil. They'll have organised travel. They'll have organised babysitters. They'll have bought your yeah. wedding gifts. This is having yeah. major repercussions for the mental health of brides and grooms. And another yeah. one here. I'm having my hen on Saturday. How can I look at those girls knowing that most of them at the hen now won't be invited to the wedding? If I invite my yeah. best girlfriends, I cannot invite my aunts. What a horrible position Leo Varadkar is putting us in. I didn't bother with a hen um, because I said there's no point. A lot of my friends from around the country, I said I have no interest in having my friends come from Dublin or wherever and sitting across the room from me. It just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, we'll do something afterwards. Now, my sister and my sister-in-law and my niece took me out there a week or two ago just to, um, yeah. just we had dinner and drinks just yeah. to mark it. They said, you can't have a wedding without a hen. But maybe um, this just isn't wedding season yet, you know? Like, do you know what I'm yeah. saying when I say wedding season or hen season? Maybe it's a thing for next year. I know I said that last year, but you know what I mean. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I don't care about the hen, you know, like, we'll do it again. We'll just organise a girls weekend when we can. I mean, I even looked at hiring the, the likes of the penthouse and the clarion, um, you know, um, because it was actually very reasonable and it would be just our group and they said, no, you have, still have to be seated and they can't facilitate seating and I just thought it was one area we'd be half outside, half inside. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I no, know. not an option. So that was fine. I said, I don't care about the hen, that's grand. No, so then you'd have guests freaking out about a party in the penthouse, you see. Yes, yeah, and that's fine. I, You know, that's totally fine. I get that. But like, I cannot understand why... If if I if I if I was to go and have my wedding in a pub now and just book the table separately, I can do that. That's exactly what but the other. If I have my if if I have my hotel in a wedding, or I have my wedding in a hotel as planned, you know, seating plan, social distancing, like say the maximum that goes into the room we have is something like 120, and I'm looking for 74. Now potentially, 
one or two of those might not come, you know, um, for whatever reasons, be it medical or travel or babysitters or whatever. Mm. But, you know, so... What are you, you going to do? I don't know. We have a half box of invitations at home, um, you know, that we already bought and paid for. I mean, most hotels have minimum spends, whether you have 25 or 50 or 100, you know. Um, so you're still paying the same money for half the amount of people. And, you know, and you can't blame the hotel for that. They so is there a chance you'll call money. it off? Uh, I don't think so. We've already called it off. Um, and, you know, we're geared up for it. It's Yesterday was exactly it's 30 days from now. You know, I mean, the kids yeah. are excited yeah. and, you know, we've done the hair and the makeup trials. And we've uh, I know. It will, and so it will proceed, but there will be a, uh, a number in and around the 50. Well, I'm hoping that somebody will have a small bit of sense and that maybe the hotels will band together. Irish Hotel one, Federation like might push back. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and just say, lads, can we not be classed the same as pubs? I give them a call, oh, actually. I give them a call, the Irish Hotels Federation. Do, I, think, do, do, I think we have a couple of contacts. Yeah, <laughs> leave that with me. Thanks so much, Mary. I will come back okay. to you on that. Cheers. Or at least stay listening and see if we can get maybe. Michael Magner is very strong on that in the Vienna Woods, I believe, and another few hoteliers as well. Back after 10. Hi, it's Killian here. Weeknights from 10 with new music, some flashbacks and a bit of chit-chat as well. That's The Late Shift with me, Killian, on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, back to calls in a few minutes' time. Thank you, Rob. Do hold on. Let me just blast, blast through some uh, some emails. And um, and I've been getting texts late, uh, lately um, with regards to... How can I word this? It's been, it has to do with a lot of the fighting in the city centre and the fact that, that I tend to skirt or dance around the fact that a lot of the fighting is actually divided by race or a lot of the fighting in Cork City a lot of it now is divided by skin colour um, and I was referencing Saturday night on the Grand Parade from somebody else who witnessed it it's kind of saying to me not even sure you'll read this out but this is the reason These, this is what's happening Saturday night on the Grand Parade was pure and utter madness Try and get your hands on the CCTV from Cork City Library to see it for the music, for yourself. You'll see them at it. Or can't we talk about it? Because the fighting's divided by skin colour. Black young males fighting with anyone that was white. Now, clearly, can I just personally say that it's, it's equal to say that um, young white males fighting with anyone that was black, right? So cops did nothing. A race war is starting in Cork and you're ignoring it. I counted five to six black males with knives, but no one will talk about it because it's black males. The city is gone to pot. I had to leave before they started on me and my black friend. The cops did nothing. There were digs and pucks thrown. Well, it could have been more if there was knives there. But anyway, ask for the CCTV of Cork City Library. You'll see it for yourself. Or perhaps we can't talk about it because it's black males are involved in doing the damage, the fighting and the gangland activity. Happy to read that out. I mean, it does take two to tango, but, you know, uh, you saw what you saw and that's the worry that you have. Uh, just one or two more here. Um, I mean, this is this would just absolutely frustrate, frustrate you. Uh, thanks for this, John. He says, I have a house that I will be renting in September. And a guy rang me last week asking about the house to rent. The house is about one and a half hours from Cork City, where he said he was working. I told him, ring me in a few weeks. And he then sent me this follow-up text and it said, Well, mate, to be honest, I'm only working three days a week now for cash. 
I'm on the full COVID payment. I have no intentions of going back to work full time in Ireland. I've worked hard for seven years overseas and I've my money made. The dream was to rent a nice quiet place of my own near the water, anywhere in Cork, as I just bought another jet ski. I will have no bother paying cash every week while I apply for rent allowance. I can pay one month's deposit and one month's rent in advance, no problem at all. And then a thumbs up emoji. Neil, I'm working 40 years in Ireland and this is where my tax is going. He thinks seven years of work is enough. The rest of us can be supporting him from now on, he figures. Needless to say, he won't be going into my house, says John by email. Um, I mean, you know, who's the fool really? Who's the smart one, you know? I mean... I mean, anyway, I think you'd go crazy if you didn't work. I think you would. I think, I mean, it's all very well having time off or even retirement must be a great thing. But I mean, I don't think you'd be all as cracked up to. I mean, I think that maybe an awful lot of time on your hands, not a good thing. So for somebody, say, for instance, in their 30s to work for, say, seven years and then decide, okay, I'm just going to do welfare. I'm just going to do rent allowance. I'm just going to work for cash. Um, are they con- <laughs> Are they contented? Are they happy? Please tell me they're not. How's the form, boy? Niall Toomey here, originally a balancolic lad. I'm messaging you here from Colorado Springs, Colorado. I was going to come home for a trip next week, but I heard some nightmare stories from friends whose plans and trips were a disaster. Flights delayed from the States, resulting in their PCR tests expiring before boarding on the Irish flight. We've had two, we've had, uh, we have to have Negative PCR tests within 72 hours of arriving, regardless of vaccination status. And the testing here can have delayed results, meaning you have to rebook flights. I knocked it on the head, boy. Last time I saw the family was on a stopover in Shannon on the way back from a deployment to Afghanistan. I gotta tell you, I'm getting ready to retire this year. Plus, I need to have the negative PCR to get back into the States. So lots of folks are erring on the side of caution and they're holding off on plans to come home this year. So in the meantime, please shout out to all of the family back home for me. Michael, Margot, Robert, D, Siobhan, Derek, Shauna, Christopher, Daniel, Daniel and Anna. Lots of love from Niall and from Emma. Cheers, my love listening to you on my runs and on my bike rides. Fair play to you. Thanks for that, uh, Niall Toomey. Regards to you and to Emma. Next year will be different. You'll get home then and see all the family. To the phone lines we go. one 850 Rob, thank you for holding. Appreciate it. Can you hear me all right? Uh, yeah, gotcha. No okay, worries. Okay, fourth attempt at what? Getting married? Fourth attempt at the wedding, yeah. Um, so we were originally um, May 2020. And obviously, it just got pushed back after pushback. And can you can I ask you where you were having the reception? Yeah, in Castlemartyr. Wow, North. great spot. Yeah, so we're really looking forward to it, and the, the hotel has been fantastic. And um, yeah, like they're really playing by the rules, and you know, it's hundred people and socially distance and no band and like everything. They're they're going above and beyond to to make it as special occasion as they can while maintaining all the, the guidelines. I get you, I get you. So the, May, so the May one last year obviously got knocked on the head. Yeah, yeah. I think we we were hoping for about 180 at that. Um, and, yeah, obviously with the cost uh, people, which is fine, to be honest, which I'm, I'm actually more comfortable with the 100, but um, to go from 100 to 50 is it's very tough going 
this stage. Yeah. So you so, didn't, I mean, you never um, contemplated a wedding with 25 last year or earlier this year or 50 or what have you. No, you, were, you were banking on the no. 100. We, well, we were, but we, we, like, we were just playing it by ear every time different direction was given. We'd amend and kind of roll with it. And, but we weren't going for the, the 25. We wanted to have a bit of a day out. So, you know, we, we, would, we will go ahead with the 50 if we have to at this stage. After when is that? The back end of August, is it? It's, yeah, yeah, it's uh, 22nd of August. So how are you going to pick the 50 guests? I mean, you know, at one stage you had 180, you said. Yeah, like, so we've got the 100 now, and, and the thing is the 100 have rooms booked and paid for lots. Well, not lots of them, but, like, my sister and her family are coming in from the UK. I have friends in Dubai who are coming in. I've um, Loads of people are going to great lengths to come back and play by the rules and get their PCR tests or if they have to self-isolate, they're self-isolating. And um, it's becoming very difficult for them and their partners that have come that are in the 100 guests that, you know, now some of them might be caught and they're coming all the way over and like, the, you know, the expensive thing for a hotel and, and the day out and everything. It's, it's really unfair to, to give whispers of this in the red top. So you, yesterday, um, you know, when we've got, when we've got like, you know, a little under a month for everyone to change their plans. It's just not fair. So everybody that will be at your wedding would either be PCR tested negative or fully vaccinated. Every, we, we don't have any um, actually kids coming to the wedding, so everyone who's coming will have be double jabbed. Amazing, isn't the it? age profile of the of the wedding. So what if what if, what if you had a hundred people at the wedding and they all had QR codes? I know, it'd be great. You know, we could we could drive on. Um, that's that's we, that's what we're looking for. Really, is. You know, to roll out engine testing, you know, a few QR codes. How can the government, you know, adapt and live with COVID instead of putting a halt to your plans, you know, a few weeks before the big day? And like, there's people who are getting married sooner than us that will have planned to have 100 people. So they're in a worse situation again. So it's about living with COVID and not and not learning you know, to live with it people in their tracks yeah. yeah so you've like just before I let you go you have all of these people coming into Ireland and others are here already and they're all mm-hmm. the plan was the hundred of them would go to Castle Martyr and they have rooms in Castle Martyr yeah I think so, there's maybe maybe out of the hundred there's nearly 70 people booked into the hotel okay so what's stopping all of those people just booking into their rooms like as if they're just staying in the hotel I'm not suggesting that. I'm not asking people yeah, to be reckless, yeah. but I'm just wondering what's no, no, preventing no. them. Everyone, everyone will be playing by the rules. But for instance, I've got very close friends of mine whose partners are invited, and they've both booked into the room. Like, say, my four groomsmen, for instance, like their partners are booked in, and if we have to curtail to fifty people between, fam- it'll just be basically very close family and uh, groomsmen. And bridal party. So, but that's only physically in the room. There's another 25 wandering around the hotel and staying in the rooms upstairs. That's it. That's it. And, you know, you might pass them in the corridor. Then you're like, do they put on their, their number ones and, and try and kind of like, you know, do you yeah. say, like, it's very, it's very unfair in them. Yeah. Or do you have two sittings? Uh, like, in fairness to the hotel there, they're really playing by the rules. So yeah, I know, I got, you. I got you. Well, you know, the reasons uh, that he's given is that in August there'll be 4,000 positives a day and there'll be 500 in hospital. 
Yeah, yeah, but on the other side of that, uh, like I play rugby, for instance, and there's, you know, there could be like 60 of us in pods of 15 mixing on Tuesday, Thursday nights. Um, like there's, I went to a game in the Viva there the other day, there's, you know, 6,000 people at it. Um, yeah, there's indoor dining being opened up. Like, hey, could you just explain just, to me the 6,000 at the gig, was that a gig or a game? A, a game, a game. Right. Um, you know, like, it's oh, were they all tested? Very, no, 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 no. We just, just socially distanced. No, the stewards were very strict. Like, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Their masks around their nose, they're making them pull it up. And it was perfect. It was a great day. It was great to see a bit of live action. And, but, it, you know, it's. And your it's rugby, like the rugby you're playing is contact, isn't it? It's, it is, yeah. Or it's been kind of, it, it goes through different stages. So, Last time I was playing, it wasn't full contact, but it was still touch rugby and you're still passing the same ball around and you're yeah. reading on each other and that yeah. kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Does it make the whole thing seem very unfair? It does. It really does. Um, we just want a bit of clarity. And we want clarity on time so we can give people notice. Not a couple of weeks before the wedding and people are after booking into hotels and booking flights and taking time off work. It's so are you calling people shocking. now telling them to cancel flights? I'm not because we still haven't. We still don't know how it stands. Do we? You know, we've only just got this news late last night. Yeah. Okay. Like, uh, okay. I'll yeah. call into the Irish Hotels Federation. Hopefully, they may be able to give me some clarity ASAP. Yeah. 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 All right, my man. Oh, thanks, oh, Rob. Thanks very much. Cheers. Love the show. You too. Thank you. Thank you for your call. Back after the break, uh, Louise is holding on. I'll talk to Louise in a minute. Her son is in absolute agony, apparently. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Uh, Louise, good morning. Morning, Neil. Uh, thanks for holding, because I know you're up to 90 with Luke. Um, share the story with us, because he's in terrible pain. Yeah, um, well, he was originally down in um, McCroom HFC dentist back the 14th of June because he was in a bit of pain with his teeth. And they referred to him, you know, on the day it wasn't a really good experience, Neil. He was on the floor screaming. He's autistic, he's nonverbal, so he doesn't really understand what's so he's going on. He's on the spectrum and he's five, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. And, and has he a rotten tooth? So, yeah, yeah. So that day, down the dentist in the room, he was laying on the floor just screaming. But the dentist was very patient and he was brilliant. He was able to look into Luke's mouth and he said, yeah, it needs to be taken out. So Luke was referred to the infirmaries. Um, on Tuesday so it couldn't have been done there with a dentist no no you see he needs to go under general anaesthetic to get it out like he wouldn't leave the dentist near his mouth the only way the dentist could actually see into his mouth was because he was on the floor screaming um, and is that were, does, is that a regular occurrence with say somebody who's on the spectrum a child you, that you um, just yeah I think it would be um, like I, Luke doesn't like anyone near his mouth yeah, in general like, I understand you know? yeah so um, there would be so he'd get like, he'd get um he get a little bit of gas or something, he'd go to sleep. Yeah. 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 So they referred him to the infirmary back then. And then on Tuesday, he was in delayed provision. And when he came home on the bus, he was screaming and roaring. They said they had a really hard time with him. So I brought him in home and he put, he caught my finger and he put it into his mouth. And I could see the tooth and he was pressing, putting pressure on the tooth. So I was like, right. So I He's non-verbal, the poor devil, yeah. yeah. So how long, how long has this been going on from when he starts, like when the, the dentist in McCroom saw it? That was back the 14th of June, you see, because he puts a lot of things into his mouth when he grinds his teeth and there was just a lot of issues at that time with his mouth. So the best thing was to go to the dentist. five weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. So obviously this tooth has kind of got worse over the five weeks. So I rang St. Bars on Tuesday and the lady was so rude. She was like, you have to wait. 
like he's screaming, he's in pain, it's not an emergency list. And she was just like, no, you have to wait. I said, Grand, I rang CUH. The lady was lovely. She was just, she's like, look, I'll see what I can do for you. It was kind of late in the evening, so we had a horrendous night on Tuesday night. He woke up at one o'clock and he never went back to sleep. He was just screaming with the pain in his teeth. So Wednesday morning, I ran back to St. Finbar's. I was upset. She could hear him upset. And again, she was just like, give him pain medication. We can't bring him in here. Like, okay, I ran back to you. Why? Did they say why? Because he needs to go under general anaesthetic. And there's a wait list for that. There's no such thing as emergencies. Um, so I rang CUH. There's a wait, waiting list and it's not deemed to be an emergency that a five-year-old on the spectrum child who was screaming yeah. for five weeks with pain cannot yeah. have a tooth taken out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so they rang CUH and she asked me Luke was actually only trans, um, only referred to CUH for grinding his teeth he was not referred to CUH to get an extraction so they could not deal with him now I could have brought him into CUH dental clinic but he would not be under general anaesthetic which would cause a lot of a lot of anxiety stress for him and for me bringing him in there I did contemplate going through A&E yesterday I was just was going to screaming. ask you why but they told me no that I rang Amy. They told me that I'd be turned away because they said it was a cosmetic that it'd have to go through the dental clinic. It's so, pain. It's not cosmetic. Yeah, yeah but it's because it's his tooth. Like it's it's not another part of his body. It's because it's his tooth. So Amy wouldn't deal with it. Um, now we do have an appointment today in St Mary at twelve o'clock. He just to see can they see into his mouth? He will not be on the general anaesthetic. He's going to have to sit in his buggy because they, that's the only way they're going to get to look at it by me holding him in his buggy. Um, I'm hoping that they will be able to do something for me today or they'll be able to refer him faster or something. Because is he, is he, he sleeping? In absolute agony. No, no, he woke up at one o'clock Tuesday night screaming. He didn't go back to sleep till eight o'clock last night. He went back to sleep at eight o'clock last night and he woke at half twelve and he's up since. And how is he trying to communicate the pain to you now? Just putting our finger into his mouth or getting us to rub the side of his face. Like he's bringing our hand to his face. That is cruelty, not yeah. in your behalf, but you must yeah. feel awful as a mother witnessing this. Yeah, yeah, but like, there has to be other parents out there that have dealt with this. Like, I don't know, like, I rang City Gates, I said, I'll go private with him, but the pediatric dentist isn't back till next week, so they couldn't do anything for me. I just feel like I'm at a dead end now that the tooth has to be taken out. Like, he has to be under general anaesthetic. He can't, there's no way any dentist will get the tooth out. With him being awake, it just wouldn't be possible. But how much would it cost for you to get a private dentist? I don't know. I don't know. They said no, I rang City Gate yesterday, and then a man. But the pediatric dentist isn't back till next week. They said they get them to ring me. They couldn't really give me any information. So surely it wouldn't be more than a hundred euro or something like that, would it? I don't have a clue. I don't have a notion. So between what what services in McCroom was it? The HSE Dental Clinic. So the HSE Dental Clinic, you were physically yeah. in it, did not extract yeah. the tooth. Yeah. And then the, then you yeah. were referred to the CUH, and you went from the CUH yeah. to St. Finbar's. We referred, no, the McCroom referred to St. Finbar's to, Saint to Finbar's. get the tooth to do the extraction of the teeth, and he was referred to CUH for the teeth grinding. So he was referred to two different hospitals for two different things. But, like, what if, what, like, what if it was a pending burst appendix? What would they do? 
don't know. Is that I different then? Is that, oh, well, well, well that's that's real but pain. Any we'll deal with it. Will actually, any dentist will see him, but they just won't take the tooth out until he's on the general anaesthetic. And that seems to be the issue. That There's a wait list for that. Like, that seems to be... Well, we can't leave is. a five-year-old sick in his hand and showing it to his mammy, pain, pain, yeah. pain, for five weeks. Yeah, it, like, like, what we kind have, of pain relief is he getting? Pain. I have given him Calpol, and he'll take Calpol to me. He will not take Norfin. He, I don't know, does he not like the feel of it? Does he not like the taste of it? But he's gagging and he's pulling it back out of his mouth. Um, but I'm lucky that he's taking Calpol. And since Tuesday, it seems to be keeping somewhat at bay. But, um, How are you yeah, bearing up as his mum witnessing all of this? Yeah, it's horrible. It's really hard to see because I'm doing everything in my power to try to get someone to get the tooth out and it just seems to be there's nothing happening like there's just a dead end like that no one is there to help like no one is there to take this tooth out but someone else has to have been in this predicament like even an average five year old I, don't, I couldn't see them sitting in the dentist getting their tooth out no do you know and, what I can't and, and we, we can't we can't accept that today either I can't explain to Luke like yeah like this medicine will help and you know he doesn't understand that he knows he has a pain in his tooth but he doesn't understand that if he takes the Norfolk it might help more or no he can't he can't he can't compute that no okay um we've been in touch with the HSC already this morning I think I think Seamus is across this one so we'll wait and see we'll wait and see what kind of a response we get but this needs to be this needs to be sorted now um, yeah, like he's missing July Fusion now all this week, so he's all out of routine then on top of it all, he's all out of sorts and stuff. But what if what if we got a private dentist who could well be listening now? I'd pay for it. And like I'd gladly I pay for it. Like I just want to get this. Like, I'm gonna be going through the rigmarole and back and forth to clinics and moving around to yeah. hospitals. Like I just the only dentist I know I think that do general anesthetic on kids is the city gate. Uh, I think that's the one anyway, down in Mahin. I don't know if there's any other private dentist that puts them let's, in general. Well let's find out if there is. Somebody will get in touch with me to say that this dentist does it with five year olds puts him under general setting and pulls out a rotten tooth let's end yeah. the pain one way or yeah. the other yeah and if it's yeah. money let's not let let not money stand in the way of it yeah. uh, hold on a second yeah. there Zoe hi Neil have you been through this I have there just recently um, only not about two months ago now I'd say my son Christian he's three and he's autistic and he was in very bad pain he's non-verbal so he couldn't it was a guessing game really but it was the dentist in Mallow the HSC the children's dentist um, within two weeks they got him up to the CUH to get it out under anaesthetic but why did he have to deal why did he have to wait two weeks oh that was the emergency the quickest emergency appointments they could get like that that, no, a, f- that a three year old would have that pain for a fortnight yeah yeah and that Luke would have that pain for five weeks yeah, but I had to keep ringing them. I rang them every day until they but got... Hang on a second. An adult wouldn't put up with that. No, no. And it's even worse. The fact that they're on the spectrum and they can't really tell... Well, my fellow can't say. He couldn't say it was his tooth. I, I just caught him pointing. He was pointing in his mouth that he saw a tooth. So it was a guessing game, really. Now, they did um, examine him here in Mallow, but like that, it was torture for him to even get him to sit on the chair, like to hold him down to get it done. So there's no way they could have pulled it without an anaesthetic. Like it's it's actually torture. Yeah, I can't believe it. Like I, I want a health yeah. system and I want a country that hears of a story like this and goes sends an ambulance to Luke's house or goes to an ambulance oh, no. to Zoe's house and brings the child in, gives the gas yeah. and takes out the tooth and he's inside in a hospital bed for twenty four hours and his mum takes him home. Yeah. 
Well, when I did get there now, they were absolutely fantastic because like that, the general anaesthetic actually drove him mental. He couldn't understand why his mouth was dead. So they let me take him home immediately and they took the cannula out of his hand and everything. They were fantastic. Like when I, when I did get in there, they were next to no nuts there, the people working in the children's dental department. In Mallow? Totally so why didn't no the dental... The CUH. The CUH. But you, um, you got that sorted through the HSE Dental Clinic in Mallow who referred you. It took two weeks and the sedation was done and it was out. Why then yeah. was Louise told, correct me if I'm wrong, Louise, that you were told it's six to eight months waiting? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody told yeah. you that he'd have to live with that pain for six to eight months? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I kept ringing them every day. Now, I was saying I can't. He couldn't bear it. Like, he couldn't eat. As he I couldn't said, see. Yeah, when I rang Stephen Bird yesterday, like, the lady was just so rude. She had no, no compassion. She had nothing. She could hear me crying. She could hear Luke crying. And her attitude was like, just give him painkillers. Just give him painkillers. Oh, for how true. long, like, you know? Yeah. No, so, listen, they do have a point today. We do have a point today. Um, they won't even get to look at his mouth he won't leave them I'm hoping that they might see how much pain he's in and that they might be able to push something for me oh man that's oh, heartbreaking yeah. that is heartbreaking I wonder if anybody else has stories like this because if they do we should hear about them let's hear what the HSE has to say let's see if we can find good luck on whatever you're holding on for today Louise but let's see if yeah, they're you know at this good. stage it's about the pain it's about your little five year old Luke yeah if just to get the two out yeah, yeah. if there are private dentists yeah. who do um, children under anaesthetic, and I'm sure that they are. Let's see if we yeah. can make that happen today, yeah. if possible. Yeah, if possible, if possible, yeah. Okay, Thanks. okay, all right. Okay, um, it, it's a very, very bad example of our health system. You know, it really and truly is. Uh, for somebody who is five years old, a child, but is non-verbal and has enough to be dealing with on the spectrum as it is, and you can help, you can tell as well that his mam Louise is upset. You can hear it in her voice. Uh, so imagine that somebody there knows uh, of a contact or perhaps is a dentist listening. Do get in touch, please. Point me in the right direction. It's not an issue of money here. It's about the timing. It's about getting it done. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. A lot of different texts coming in this morning. One is quite interesting. I'll, I'll do this now for fear that somebody will think the person who sent it thinks that I won't even address it. Uh, can Neil Prenderville accept or deny that Red FM are under threat of cut-off of HSC advertising if any adverse broadcasts are made by him on government policy. Come on, say it. Okay, well, what are you saying here? You are saying that we would lose all HSC advertising, the adverts and the ad breaks in the HSC regarding COVID, if I broadcast anything adverse regarding government policy. Uh, no, it's not true. There is no such threat. I can't be any clearer than that to answer your question. No, that is not the case. I've had enough adverse things said on this program by me and contributors over the past 16 months to prove that that isn't the case. And the advertising continues. We don't live in that kind of a country yet. We do live in a country where they make flippant statements, off the cuff statements. And that's what got, that's what's got so many brides and grooms calling me this morning and very angry with Leo Varadkar saying that if you were planning for a hundred in August, think again. It's 50. The only relaxation across the back end of July and into August is indoor dining. So whatever was promised from, I believe, the 5th of August, I'm open to correction on that date with regards to the numbers going to 100 for a wedding, 
that's not going to happen. So many of those that were contributing this morning said that the Irish Hotels Federation should immediately put pressure on the government and the powers that be to reverse that decision and to allow it to go to 100 with all of the protocols and hotels in place. So I promised I'd put in a call to Michael Magner at Vienna Woods, who of course is within the Irish Hotels Federation and is a fantastic wedding venue, the Vienna Woods Hotel. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Were you surprised at this announcement? Did it catch you on the hop? Um, I suppose everything we've learned from the pandemic, uh, Neil, is every, everybody has been caught on the hop in terms of, I suppose, uh, roadmaps and target dates. And unfortunately, those target dates have been moved. But yes, certainly yesterday, the Tarnished has comments uh, around, um, I suppose, weddings in terms of what the expectation could be for August um, was, was concerning. There's no doubt about it, particularly given the fact that the president signed off on indoor dining legislation yesterday. And I suppose what we're finding it difficult to understand is that when you compare the, the, the guidelines which yet have to be published uh, but as we're hearing on the media that what they're expected to be for indoor dining uh, the difference for, for weddings is, is very uh, they're very similar. Very um, similar so groups limited to six people at a table and the table's a metre apart um, what's the difference between that and a hundred people at a wedding? Well, well, this is the question, and um, I heard that the, the introduction of your comments around the, the Irish Hotels Federation. Believe you me, as a federation, we've been engaging with government and with all to Ireland since the very onset of the pandemic in terms of trying to get our, our industry back open, but also to provide, I suppose, services for the, the likes of couples that have their wedding days booked in. Uh, for example, August in Ireland is typically the busiest month of the year for weddings. On average, there's 22,000 weddings a year in Ireland, and you could certainly apportion 20% of that number to the month of August for weddings and I suppose uh, I heard another commentator on another radio station this morning speak about uh, weddings and one of the key things uh, that we have to be aware of is that if people can provide certification for fully vaccinated well then what is the difference if the time limits are being removed for indoor dining well what is the difference uh, I think people are prepared to accept the, the rules around the, the 11.30 finish up I think that's fair I think six at a table is fair I, we, we accept that. No music, no band fair that's a challenge there's no doubt about it but I think if you were to ask all couples honestly and earnest um, if they were to say well look um, you know if we could get a hundred for our wedding or big day it's the one it's the most important yes. time in their life yes. at this time in their life well they, I think they'd, they'd accept it and I think the other fundamental point which is key which I think government uh, you know I'm not suggesting they've overlooked but maybe they need to consider a couple themselves have access to all their, their invited guest list so from a contact tracing perspective. It's a very simple way to actually go about contact tracing. Plus, you have table plans and if you have six persons sitting at a table and, you know, regrettably, if there was a, an outbreak of COVID, well, then it would be very quick uh, to, to uh, identify where uh, those, in, uh, I suppose, potentially uh, other guests who may be in danger of contracting the virus uh, could certainly be ch- chased up, you know. So why aren't they looking at it logically, like, say, for instance, you within the Hotels Federation are? Maybe they're not afraid of hotels, they're more afraid of marquees or something, is it? Perhaps, I don't know. Well, I, I can't second-guess the government, but what I can tell you is that, in in, in fairness, um, I mean, the government have engaged, they've worked very hard in terms of trying to get uh, industry back open, and it's an impossible situation. Remember, this is a virus, this isn't a person or a thing, and everybody's plans, even the government's plans, the best laid plans, 
content have all been at times throughout this period of, 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 of when the virus started have been thrown in to chaos. Uh, you know, when we reopened on the 29th of June last year, um, the expectation was we were going to open for good. We didn't see a second lockdown. We certainly didn't see a third lockdown uh, when we reopened. And now we're in a situation whereby case numbers are excessive. Uh, that we're hearing that there isn't a direct link, thankfully, and, and I think welcome news between hospitalisation and... But ICU we're seeing cases. the vaccine benefits, you see. Precisely. That's exactly it. But I think, you know, uh, this this has been a very contentious issue. Nefes in their advice has to be taken on board. And while it might be a difficult pill to swallow, pardon the the health analogy, the the reality of it is that uh, we have to work towards it. But I think definitely, um, you know, if indoor dining goes ahead, as it's been mentioned in the media, well, then there's a very strong argument, in my opinion, to argue for weddings of 100, assuming all the other uh, requirements are met. Along the indoor but all the brides and grooms are, are making decisions now and they're calling guests and they're saying, sorry, I have to decline the invitation to you. But like, should they be doing that then? Should they hold their powder dry for now? I, I don't know the answer to that question, Neil, unfortunately. But what I can tell you, as a federation, as an industry representative group, as a business operator myself, I have 14 weddings in, in my hotel alone on the month of August. I mean, we are working very hard to engage with, the, with government and with sector representative, representatives to try and get some clarity on this. And remember, the Tarnish's comments yesterday, he also did say uh, that, uh, you know, the nothing is certain. Um, so he didn't rule it out completely, but he did say, well, plan maybe for 50. And if you plan for 50 and if it goes to 100... And what was the date argument. in August? Uh, 5th of August, uh, to, to my recollection, okay. Neil. And what difference does that make to, say, the, the bride and groom? Would they still have to pay full whack or do, do, does everything just get... If it goes from 100 to 50, does the bill get halved? Um, well, well, from my own business perspective, um, we've honoured the, the arrangements of every couple that are booked prior to the pandemic and the arrangements that, that are with us. But every hotel is different, so I can't speak collectively for every hotel. They'll have their policies and their reasons for applying their own charges. So there's a potential for a hotel to say, yeah, but we're still charging you for 100 I, I don't know the answer to that question, but um, I think that at the end of the day, what you'll find is that every hotel that couples have been engaging with, you know, will listen. They'll do their best to try and provide a solution that's amenable to both the couple and to the venue themselves. Because at the end of the day, remember, the hospitality, tourism and travel industry, along with some other sectors, have been absolutely destroyed, decimated by the, the, the pandemic. And thankfully, this year, we're enjoying the, the benefit of the staycation market. People are coming. They're staying in our hotels. It's sincerely appreciate it but you know one swallow never made a summer so we had the winter to face as well uh, and we need to get uh, back to uh, tr- some a degree of normality you know I know but you could still have like you could have a hundred people or a lot more than a hundred people in a restaurant next week all dining sitting down or in a hotel restaurant next week and they're more than welcome as long as they're not attending a wedding uh, that's precisely the question that, that uh, we are raising with, with government and industry representatives uh, who engage with government uh, on that very precise question today. What's the cardinal difference? Um, and if we can get answers to that, then there perhaps could be more clarity. But remember, the Tarnish's comments yesterday um, were, were, I suppose, what you would take advisory in nature, um, that uh, it, it wasn't definitively certain. What he said is that people, you know, should plan for 50, but he didn't rule out the fact that... No, they but the roadmap said 5th of August. He's now saying, uh, well, we always say to people to operate on the basis that they won't change. So don't don't assume they will change. Why give August 5th as a roadmap then? 
I think initially when the, 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 the reopening guidelines were issued, there were step dates. Yeah. And on, on July 5th, it was quite clear in the government's, uh, I suppose, publications that weddings would go to 20, from uh, 6 to, or pardon me, from 20, uh, 25, 25 yeah. um, in, in June. And then from July, they went to, to 50 plus the couple themselves to 52. And then there was a consideration that, assuming health advice permitted, that they go to 100 from August. So I think that's where it's at at the moment. So, so the health, the health advice is the Delta variant, so, and the dangers of that. Yeah. Well, we're hearing it in the media, aren't we, Neil, yes. uh, continuously. But what I can say is that, you know, when you ask the question of indoor dining being permitted from the 26th of July, which is next week, um, and the difference is very little. In fact, if anything, uh, there's, there's, there's no difference at all. You could actually be describing a wedding, a sit-down wedding. You could be described precisely. Yeah. Okay. And do you think that today will tell a lot? Um, look, I don't know, Neil. I mean, the fact of the matter is that there, there's still time to go. We're waiting on the guidelines when, when they're due to be published. We don't know. We're expecting them hopefully this afternoon. Yeah. But what I can assure you is that as an industry uh, lobby uh, organisation, the Irish Hotels Federation and others um, are working very hard um, to try and get some clarity around this because couples need it. I mean, you're right. You know, they, they're making their plans. People, those guests have booked hotel bedrooms as well uh, across the those hotels right across the country and if their weddings you know which were planned for 100 they may have taken 50 60 rooms in a hotel and yeah. if their numbers are cut to half well then hotels are going to find a dip in their occupancy as well then because rooms are going to be cancelled uh, you know it's unlikely people are going to continue with their travel plans to stay in a hotel if they're not attending the wedding which they were pre- expecting to be invited to so so in that context um there's a concern there as well you know so okay. it's, 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 it's a real concern at okay. the moment you all know? right well let's let's see what happens when the announcement is published made and the data is published later on today. Thanks, Michael, for taking the call at short notice. Right. I appreciate it as always. Michael you. McNair at the Vienna Woods Hotel, who has 14 weddings alone across the month of August. Neve, good morning. Good morning. Uh, you had nowhere near 100, nor 50, nor 25. How many? Um, well, what we did is that we, I sent out eight invitations because we didn't know if the numbers would go above 25. Um, so... Then we had, I brought nine people to my actual ceremony. And afterwards, I had about 30 people at my house. I had six tables, what did I have? Five tables in a marquee with six chairs at each table. When was this? That was last Friday. Right. So, how did it go? It went absolutely perfect. The ceremony was so lovely. It was so personal. Um, My three kids are... Five, five, six, and seven. So for them, they weren't under pressure because they knew everybody there. There wasn't any strangers, and it was just all so perfect. And inside in the marquee, were they all vaccinated adults? Well, the vast majority of people there were fully vaccinated, and everybody else would have probably had at least one vaccine. Um, but in our marquee, we had the size of the marquee open. We had the doors open, so it was very ventilated. Plus, it was far too hot even to be in there. <laughs> and so I got some catering delivered. And so pe- people basically ate their food and then got back out into the garden where everybody was, say, social distancing as such. Like, And so it's a, you, you say that you wouldn't change it for the world, but this not, I imagine this was not what you had originally planned. No, but like... It, 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 the way everything worked out it was perfect 
Well, in saying that, no, if we had bad weather, it wouldn't have been so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you got the weather anyway, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I suppose it didn't cost a whole lot either. Well, you still had to. Well, it didn't cost a patch on what a, a hotel wedding would cost. What's this say? If you want a big wedding, cancel it. Yes, look, if you want. Uh, my, my way of thinking is if you want your big, huge party and your big. Um, wedding in a hotel like that's not going to happen now so so either cancel it or adapt to the new numbers yeah. um, but if you yeah. want the big wedding it's not for this year exactly yeah, yeah. and but yeah. but next year when everybody's having big weddings say of 150 200 up the country 385 will you not regret it then no no, I won't because the people who I brought would be people close to me. I wasn't inviting people just to keep other people happy, kind of, if you get me. Yeah. The people I brought would have been close people who I knew very well, and they were the people who I basically wanted there. So, no, I, I don't have any regrets, and I don't think I will have regrets when the numbers go up. When the COVID numbers go up or the wedding numbers go up? The wedding numbers go up. When the wedding numbers go up. All right. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Glad you you had a beautiful day. You were happy. You wouldn't change it for the world. Thanks. Who did you marry? What's his name? Colm. Colm Kelly. Did he enjoy it? He had a great time. (laughs) So uh, no foreign holiday, no honeymoon? No, unfortunately not, because we're still in the middle of COVID. Uh, Maybe next year. All right. <laughs> Cheers, Neil. Take care. Thanks for taking the Thank call. You. Text 0868104106. You can always email neil at uh, redfm.ie. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Okay, I got about 60 seconds. So yesterday I was doing the top five hated or not, but let's say the top five overused songs that people have for funerals. And of course, Celine Dion was top of the tree. Uh, My heart would go on. Things like that. Always look at the bright side of life. I asked you guys, what song would you like to be played as you are coming down the aisle, heading for the cemetery or the crematorium? It was kind of a lighthearted remark, and I got some very good ones back. Um, lovely one here. Marie says, The Parting Glass would be my funeral song. Well, that's just a beautiful song. The Jam, Going Underground. Great Balls of Fire, says Jackie and Mallow. Spirit in the Sky. There's a lot for spirit in the sky. Doctor and the Medics, originally a hit for Norman Greenbaum. My husband died nearly seven years ago. He used to always sing Jack Johnson's It's Always Better When We're Together. So I told the kids I want that played when I'm being brought out of the church. Great program, love it. That is a lovely sentiment, as in when you are together and back with your husband again. One or two more. My sister Paula has said that her song for when she's cremated is This Girl's on Fire by Alicia Keys. (laughs) Still laughing at this, but that's her choice. I don't have a song picked out, but I think maybe Tragedy by the Bee Gees would be an interesting one. How about Feeling Hot, Hot, Hot? If you're going to the crematorium, says Frick. Big Toms, you're going out the same way you came in. Well, you're not quite really, but I know what you're saying. Lots then for Highway to Hell, ACDC. Another one bites the dust or going underground by the jam. Bye Bye Baby 
The Paisley Rollers. My husband said, that's the song for me. Uh, my, nan- my nanny Hackett had burning ring of fire at the crematorium. She wanted nobody crying, you see. Even the priest was smirking. It was hard to keep serious, says Lisa. A fella I know was cremated and his song was Devil Gate Drive by Susie Quattro. Uh, my departure song is Wish Me Luck As You Wave Me Goodbye. I think that may have been Vera Lynn. Open to correction on that. Just I thought I'd share with you. When my father was cremated five years ago, his last song, as the curtain came down, was Fire by Arthur Brown. Fire. The manager of the crematorium in Ring of Skiddy said, in the ten years, he'd never heard that one played. My dad was extremely laid back, and he always made us laugh. Thank you, Karen. Uh, thank you for sharing. Back after 11 on 1850-104-106. Music Station of the Year. Cork's Red FM. Lines open at one 104 106 You can text 868 104 You heard there in the news just at 11 o'clock there a reference to uh, Besbra and the mother and baby homes in this country where Lana was talking about what happened within them with regards to young mothers and their human rights and the human rights of the babies now being taught in schools because it is a part of our history. I, f- I found it... Yeah, like I read the initial report and I have also read the second report, which is an alternative draft, an alternative draft report that has been published into the Mother and Baby Homes Commission of Investigation. It investigates and it dissects the original investigation. There's a huge amount of reading in it and I, I'm not going to go through it all. It's just so much of it, but they go through it chapter and verse. So it's interesting to hear that secondary school students are going to be taught about human rights violations suffered in Ireland's mother and baby institutions. It's a pilot program. But don't you think that that's a good idea that things like this were just I was going to use the term buried, but I mean, you'll forgive me for saying that when we when we can't account for so many of the babies who died in these homes. And, and also Besbro, where there are Somewhere in the region of 800 babies that can't be accounted for. So there are mothers within then that system who are challenging the original report. And without going over it again, I know I went over it months back, but some of the uh, findings of the report, and I was really disappointed of it, certainly the Besborough Act of it, aspect of it. But the report said uh, that adoptions were not forced that there was no evidence that women's consent was not full, free and informed at all times, uh, and that there was no evidence, for instance, um, that any children were harmed by vaccine trials which were carried out at the institutions. Now, they're, they're just some of the aspects of the, of the report that I found astonishing, considering the women that I spoke, spoke to down through the years. The alternative report then was like 25 academics with experience in human rights law, family law and criminal justice. They came together and put together their report on it. There are other stories, of course, on, on, on Besbra that have not gone away and the planning um, issues down there with regards to on board Planola and Cork City Council and the apartments that, uh, you know, a particular company wants to have built down there, that gets refused and knocked back. So that, that's ongoing. But I was curious to see if any of the women over the years who I spoke to on air had an opportunity to even look at the, at the new report, you know, which goes through the original one, chapter and verse. So I put in a call to um, the lovely Joan McDermott and she joins me by phone. Joan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I mean, even the aspect of saying that there were no forced adoptions, that sounds bizarre to me. 
considering the women I've spoken to. Absolutely, Neil. And since I spoke to you last, that was one of the issues that I brought up when I gave my testimony to the Commission of Inquiry because they kept referring to my baby being adopted. But I never signed any papers. When the Commission of um, Investigations report was published, I then, under the Freedom of Information Act, applied for a unfettered access to all the records that were held by the state agency, i.e. TUSLA, with regards to um, um, anything on file. I need to see it. Neil, I was absolutely astonished. This only happened in March of this year. I got the file, um, which was in Besborough, which was an A4 sheet of paper with my name and address on it. Sorry, my name, my hair and eye colour, the date of my baby was born and the date that I entered and the date that I left, which was incorrect. But on the bottom of this A4 sheet of paper, it stated, we have in our possession the document that you signed giving your baby away. I requested that document and was refused it. Did you ever sign a document? No. No. How was your baby taken from you? Well, I was, uh, uh, when he was seven weeks old, I was breastfeeding. Um, um, the nun came in behind me and took the baby from my arms, or from my breast, and I never saw him again. Didn't you run down the corridor after her? Oh, I did. I ran down the corridor, banging on the doors. Um, uh, of course, those doors were locked. We had no access through those doors. And were you shouting, where are you taking my child? And I, as, I you, was, as I, you ran down, she ran faster with the yes, child. Yes, she did. She did. And then when the doors slammed, um, I waited almost two hours and she came back and said, he's gone. I said, well, where's he gone? Oh, we've given him to somebody. And, and when you spoke to the Commission of Inquiry, and I, I read your section in the report, it's like a paragraph long. And you know, Neil, that in, I got so incensed with that, and I'll tell you why. Because prior to my um, testimony and appearing to the Commission, they had received my affidavit, which is about 30 pages from Hogan Lovers, you know, through the Clan Project, the Human Rights Lawyers, they received that and they had it on the desk, on the, the table when I was giving my testimony. Yes, in the report, there is four, uh, almost four lines of a paragraph that I cut grass um, and, and that I left and went to the UK afterwards. Now, why wasn't your part about, about uh, the forced adoption and the taking away of your baby or, or indeed... Um, I suppose you, you might call it unlawful family separation. Why wasn't that featured in the, in the, in the commission? Well, we brought this up with the minister when we had several webinar uh, meetings with him. And uh, he just said, um, you know, maybe down the line. And this is why we were hoping that when we asked for the um, uh, commissioners to be present uh, in the Oroctus Committee, and we could have had those questions answered. Now, prior to me giving my testimony, I also gave my testimony to the Confidential Committee. And under the Freedom of Information Act, I received that. It's a 14-page long document. And everything that is in the affidavit from the human rights lawyers is in that one. But in the report, and the only reason, Neil, that I went to the Commission of Inquiry on oath was in order and I had the approach, I approached my whole um, testimony under the auspices of the, uh, the violation of basic human rights. Yeah, because the original commission said 
Uh, and this is what interests because I knew I spoke to women like yourself whose babies were literally taken away from them. They yeah. said, with the exception, this is the original commission, with the exception of a small number of cases, there is no evidence that women did not consent to adoption. But the alternative report said the evidence is significant of coerced adoption, amounting in many cases to forced adoption throughout the period under examination. And God knows that was a lengthy period. And I mean, Neil, we lobbied the minister after that report and came out and said they were forced or coerced adoptions. And and illegal adoptions. And at the time, the minister said that he wasn't going to address them. He's now changed tax sense, and he is going to address the illegal adoption because there's been so much pressure from survivors and other stakeholders on it. And I mean, I now, after much ado in March of this year, I now have the evidence that I got, and it's shocking. For my signature was falsified. I got a document which I allegedly signed in front of a commission revolt because remember. Um, Neil, prior 1976, there was no, all adoptions were done via commissioner of votes, not in the court as they are now. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it I was... allegedly signed this document in front of a commissioner of votes in a town in the UK that I was never in and a man that I never heard of. Could it have been, and I think that this was also brought up within the commission's report, that maybe family members were responsible for signing? Well, when I draw my own conclusions, and I know all the people that I'm pointing the finger have all passed, but it indicates that certainly there was collusion between my family and the nuns in, in Besborough. You see, that I know nothing about. The original it. commission said the responsibility for the harsh treatment of women and their children rests primarily with the fathers of the children and with the mother's immediate family. It said lack of family support was the primary reason these girls entered the institution in the first place. But actually, the state. The other, the, the, the subsequent report, the alternative one, said that the state itself was always aware of the abusive conditions within the institution and it was responsible under law for the girls' human rights and that the responsibility rested with the state to regulate the institutions. I mean... That makes perfect sense to me. And I mean, the original report, it totally underplays any state responsibility. And I mean, you're right, Neil, the state's responsibility was for for institutional human rights abuses. And this is what, I mean, I'm going back in 2015 when I spoke to the commissioners in the European Parliament in Brussels. My presentation was focused on the um, violation of the human rights. And I mean, they were shocked when they heard. And in actual fact, you know, not, not in this government but previous governments have fallen far short of addressing um, the violation of our human rights and I mean Neil I was only thinking the other day when uh, I got the call you know about this can you imagine in this day and age a woman going into the CUH and being denied any pain relief during childbirth you had none you had a, you had a dreadful labour a oh, very painful labour and you gave and, birth and to a very big baby and she, and she was shouting at you the nun wasn't she didn't you tell me oh. she was shouting at you now you're paying for your sins and the work yes. of the devil yes absolutely I was atoning for my sins that was my punishment the same way when I was cutting the grass and scrubbing the floors when I, I found it difficult as you advance in pregnancy uh, in pregnancy um, I was being punished and now, I mean the original report said in mother and baby homes, girls and women were expected to work, but this was generally work 
which they would have had to do if they were living at home anyway. That there that was, was no the difference in work carried out by women on farms all over the country. Uh, maybe it was, was of the, the time. Something statement that I read on that uh, 3,000 page report. It was an absolute disgrace. And in actual fact, Neil, it made me even think despite the fact, as I said, that my affidavit had gone into them. I actually, even to this day, feel was my integrity in question. They did actually state in the original report that there was um, the validity of some of the evidence of the women that came forward was questionable. I mean, seriously. Well, why ask the women then to tell their stories? Well, and I mean, Neil, I swore on a Bible that day to the Commissioner of of Investigation. I swore my affidavit. So why would I not... Why would you not be believed? Yeah. Uh, But this was unpaid work, wasn't it? Absolutely. So they're suggesting then that, ah, yeah, but... The work that they'd have had in the home as young girls or on the farm would have been unpaid anyway, is it? Well, how how they can compare that, um, knowing that we had to do that day in, day out, compared to if you were living at home on the farm and you'd have your normal chores to uh, do on a daily basis. But, that I mean, those women that worked in the laundries in hot weather with the sweat pouring off them, and they weren't allowed out with you. You couldn't go away from your chores until you were told it was time now for your lunch or your break. You had to keep going. They said, with regards to being able to walk out the door, where, say, for instance, uh, it was alleged that people were deprived of their liberty, the original commission said there was no evidence that women were forced to enter the mother and baby homes by this church or by the state, and they were free to leave if they took their child, even if they were unable to leave without their children, they could still leave. Well, to the contrary, Neil, on admission, you're told three things. One, you're given a um, A a fictitious name. Two, no contact with the outside world. And three, should you attempt to escape, there were the words, and I remember them vividly, escape from here the guardie will bring you back. And I said this in Brussels. I wasn't a ward of court. So why was it that the guardie then... And and, and they did, because the girls did leave and and they were brought back by the guardie when I was there. And there's a lot of time spent then on the issue of um, vaccine trials. Were you aware of any of that at the time? No, I wasn't at the time, but um, I met some of those um, people who were involved in the vaccine trials when I was in Brussels. And, I mean, they're suffering immeasurable um, health conditions, uh, you know, years afterwards because of it. Part of the original report is also picked up on on the second report, and this is by way of financial uh, compensation. Where are we at with that? Um, Well, the last meeting we had with the minister was that he was bringing it to cabinet with regards to reparations or, or, or redress. Now, um, there are many survivors that all they very focused on. They want this whole thing finished and they just want the redress, which would enhance their, their lives. I don't think at this juncture, certainly I don't think it's in this year's, allowed for in this year's budget. Um, we're now hearing... Why were, they saying, why were they saying that it would only be for women who enter the mother and baby homes after 19... If they, if they were there after 1973, they have no case for finance. It would be women who entered before 73. 
Yeah, well, well, um, that's what the original report yeah. said, Neil, but there was such an outcry from us that the Minister has overturned that now. There should be no minimum time limit. No, 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 absolutely not. No. And that's what and the new, the second no. report says. They say that only children who are residents in the institution without their mothers should have case for redress regarding the children. Um, it's a very cold report, wasn't it? Very, very. And in actual fact, Neil, when you think of it, it was two hours and uh, of, well, I, I, I felt it was like an interrogation. I was made feel as if I was the one that was wrong and I was telling my truth. I was very measured. I didn't get emotional because I was being very factual, as I said, under... Uh, with the focus on the violation of human rights. And I mean, Neil, it's blatantly obvious about the violation of human rights. For example, there was no uh, informed choices or any options explored with regards to the feasibility of taking our children. To take a child away from a mother without any... Um, prior warning is nothing but pure cruel. Being denied access to your baby, we weren't allowed to go near our babies in case we'd bond with them, only when the bell rang, when it was time for feeding. All those years later, um, you found your son? I did, yes, I found him. But you see, um, here's the other issue now. Now that I've found out that he wasn't legally adopted. He was actually given to a, um, a middle-aged... Uh, well, the, the woman was middle-aged and she had mental health problems. That in itself was totally inappropriate. Was that overseas? No. Okay. okay. Here, here in this country. It was all done for... Um, and he told me that he was told by the woman that, you know, they gave a very good donation to Besborough. So he was given. So he's now got to go through a legal process to take his... Um, entry of the Adoption Authority of Ireland when it's a false document. So where are we going with this? Will this just uh, continue to roll on then? Well, Neil, and and you know something, when reading the alternative report, um, it states that uh, almost towards the end of it, that that they would suggest that there be further investigations um, to provide, uh, you know, where necessary. The women that I regularly need, uh, liaise with, we are just sick to the death of it. We, I mean, 21 years I'm at this. And, you know, it's, it's, it won't be finished in a long shot because, remember, as we currently speak, the uh, information tracing bill is going through, the, 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 um, the heads of bill is going through the Oireachtas at the moment. That's a very contentious issue. What of, what of the eight to 900 missing babies? From the 1920s to the 1970s? Well, this is where, again, that we're pushing for the burials bill. And I I understand now from the Minister's Department that that's almost at completion stage for the burials bill. What Um, does that mean, a burials bill? Well, uh, it particularly pertains to um, Tume, where there is factual evidence. There is, but there must be some kind of evidence somewhere in Cork. To but say we, I, we can't see, find eight or nine hundred babies. Well, as, as yet, Neil, as you know, there has been no forensic examination done on, on Besborough. And, I mean, the evidence came out in the Oireachtas Committee with, with the maps that were presented at the at committee that there is evidence that there are babies buried there. But then there's a counter... Um, but I've a seen an old map that says babies burial ground. Yes. So yes. why isn't there some kind of investigation into that? But this is, this is where we know that with the burials bill that they're pushing for 
Besborough and Sean Ross and uh, Tume um, for so, a full, full forensic investigation. It's so important, into, isn't it? That. It's so important. Oh, well, it is because, you know, I know women that there's no closure because they don't know where their babies are. Now, I mean, we know some of them are in Cars Hill, but how many? Or, as I recently spoke to an undertaker and he said, little do you know, he said, but there's babies in every cemetery in Cork that came out of Besborough. I find it just harrowing every time I talk on the topic and the more I read about it, I really do. And you know, Neil, I, I'm actually getting to the stage where I think, how much more of it can I, you know, can I take and what more can I do? I can't do any more than what I've already done. I think you're an incredibly powerful woman. All credit to you. I really do. All of those years. Um, and, and it's moving along slowly, but more well, and more is. light is being shone on it slowly. It is, Neil. And I thank you for that. But I also do it for those women who are still broken, that have still haven't come to terms, that are still suffering both mentally and physically from what they encountered in not just Besborough, in, in the other homes. And it's for them that I keep I it. Know, and you know, do. appreciate yeah. you giving me the opportunity. No, I wanted to, to chat with you. And thank you for coming on, John, because I read the alternative. I've read both of them. And I said, well, well, yes. now I've read it. What, what, what do I do with it? How do I pass on some of his information? And I do it through a conversation with you. So thank you so much. And You're listen, very welcome, And stay in touch, Joan, all right? I will indeed. Thank you. Bye all now. the best for now. The one and only Joan McDermott. Your thoughts, text 0868104106. If you'd like to contribute to that story, incidentally, if you have a story to share, you can always email. I don't give out details if people don't wish me to. Neil at redfm.ie. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Lots of texts on different topics from yesterday's program. Here they are for you. Best wishes to uh, Longboats, um, particularly to Con. He sounds like a gent and it's a super pub. Uh, he came across superb and sincere as a regular pub goer pre-March 2020. I will wait longer to visit a pub under such guidelines and I will remain on the dry, says Pat. On funeral songs, I'm going to have the banks of my own lovely Lee by Bog, Bog, Bog the Donkey. Good man yourself. Well, Longboats were on the air yesterday morning saying that they're going to close for a fortnight from this weekend and uh, look at things again in two weeks' time. Um, on the pup, um, with regards to that couple who've been out in Portugal since May, people need to realise that giving out to each other about going on holidays on the pup is a dividing tactic to take your attention away from the political scammers who retire early on lottery-style pensions at our expense. Um, I'm boiling... Actually, that's, that's, I was thinking about that, actually. You know, all of these county councillors that were double that were double claiming for expenses on the same day in two different places. And then they were contacted by, was it an Irish Times or an Irish Independent uh, report? Like loads and loads of them all over the, all over the country. Like they, they kind of got away with that, didn't they? They paid the money back, but there was no penalties. Like there was no issue. They, there was no recompense made apart from paying the money back from the double claim on the day. You know, they weren't fined or anything. And I wonder why. Uh, I'm boiling here listening to people defending the couple in Portugal since May while on the pup. I understand and agree that everyone needs a break and a holiday is good for your mental health. But that's not what they are doing. They're claiming money from the Irish taxpayers and spending it in another country, thereby using our money to boost another economy. It's outrageous behaviour, and I agree with that lady who sent the original email. She is not a curtain twitcher. A two-month holiday is, frankly, taking the pee. John says that couple should be reported. I'm a self-employed, tax-compliant courier working every day during the pandemic. It's got to be a level playing field. 
And one more. My daughter has saved 16,000 euro and bought a car. She has no intention of going back to work. Her friends are in Spain for the summer on pup and none of them, her friends, are returning to Ireland until September. Selection of text to 0868104106 and I have reams then on the digital cert and the um, whole issue of that rollout and the problems with the uh, with the helpline numbers and of course the um, issues involved in that. So I will come back to that but I don't want to be keeping people waiting too long. So uh, I, pl- I planned on doing this yesterday, I just didn't get the time. I'm happy I did now because I have an opportunity also to talk to Fiona ahead of the scam audio. Fiona, good morning. Morning, how are you? I'm well, and thank you to yourself and to Terence for sending on the audio. We've edited it down to nine or ten minutes because it was much longer than that. So it's yeah. Terence talking to one of the scammers who were calling um, alleging PPS number fraud, isn't it? That's correct, yes, yeah. And does yeah. he do this a lot? He do, he do. He'd stay on the phone, he'd talk away to them and he'd just wind them up to the last and they get fed up and then they just hang up on the... And that's what happened in the end here, isn't it? That's correct, yeah. So give us, the the gist, give us the gist of it before I run the audio bit. Well, basically what happened, we were going for a spin with the kids. We were going on the banner stand and he kept getting a couple of phone calls so we pulled in at the side. So we put all the windows and he just talked away, talked his way through and they were asking him all these questions that's on the recording there now. And he was answering the way, and you know, we were having we were having a laugh off it to be honest. Right? And, and what we people off. won't hear in this is is because we've edited them out. Huge delays where she goes away, puts him on hold for long, long periods of time, intentionally, yeah. I believe. But I'd say what she what she kept saying to him was, "Are you by your house now?" Like basically, I'd say what she wanted to know was he by a computer. So that's what she was aiming at. Was he by a computer? I'd say. So he was, you know, for him to get frightened, I'd say, you know, to start doing whatever. And if he was near a computer, she would edge the conversation eventually towards transferring money. Exactly, yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. It was very good, like, we had a laugh off, I think, like. And eventually, after, how long was the entire call? Jesus, it's gone on for ages, ages, Jesus, it's nearly an hour, I'd say. You're sitting on the side of the road with the windows up on a boiling hot day. And the boiling hot, and the kids were in the back. The kids were even skitting as well. We made some laugh off. Of well, will you will you say to te- fair play to Terence? Fairness to him. I will indeed. All I right, will, girl. I will. Okay. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I'll run the audio. Um, uh, and now this this is all the hallmarks of what we've been talking about. Thank you so much, Fiona. Have a good day. Cheers. Welcome. Are you on Banner now? Did you enjoy Banner when you got there? And we're back, back up, up again over here. All right, girl. Take care. Cheers for now. All right, thanks. So mate. it's all the, the hallmarks, you know, you get this call alleging that your PPS number has been used for fraudulent activity. This is very interesting because at one stage it moves on to the amount of bank accounts that Terence has and how much is in the bank account. So we've taken all the pauses out uh, and we've tightened it up. It's about nine, maybe ten minutes of it. Um, and just bear in mind, that it ends abruptly at near the, well, it ends abruptly near the end, obviously, but it, it, it ends abruptly at a, at a point in the conversation when it's moving on to um, Grona Braher Garda Station. So here it is. Important notification. This call is from the Investigation Division of the Department of Social Protection Crime Agency. We got an order to suspend your personal public service number on immediate basis. 
because your personal public service number was found suspicious for several illegal activity. It's very time sensitive and urgent could we hear back from you. Before we proceed further with the suspension of your personal public service number and assists, and issue the warrant under your name, for more details, kindly press 1, to speak an officer, I repeat, press 1. Department of Social Protection. So they get pull up information and who call you up. My my name is it? Yes. My, my name is William Strange. Can I please uh can I please spell your last name? Strange S T R A N G E. Okay, got it. Uh, so can you please confirm me your air code, sir, so I can pull up information and check who called you up? My ear, I don't know my air code off by heart. Um, can I give you my address? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cox City, Ireland. Uh, you're from Dublin? Are you from Dublin? No, Cox City. Cox City, Ireland. Cox City, okay. Okay, sir, here I have you falling in front of me, and I can see that there is several allegations under your name, and there is an arrest warrant is still under your name, okay? So are you aware about it? Okay, I'm sorry, yeah. Okay, let me explain you the reason. So before I give you any further information, I would like to inform you that this call is completely recorded and being monitored by federal agency, Judicial Court of Law, Department of Social Protection, local state authorities, the Attorney's General Office, okay? okay? So here, just to make sure that I'm giving out the confidential to the right person, can you please confirm me the last three-digit number of your PPS number? Three nine letter letter W. Three nine W. That's right. That's correct. W like whiskey, right? That's right. That's right. Okay. So, sir, here is first investigation report under your PPS number. There are seven allegations found under your name, and your PPS was mentioned in several states. The law enforcement agencies have found 25 bank accounts open under your name using your PPS number to commit a fraud of more than 10 million euros. Okay? So here, can you please tell me, uh, are you the owner of this 25 bank account and how many bank accounts do you own as far as your knowledge? I have three banks accounts, yes, three banks. So what's the name of the bank? It's AIB. Allied Irish Bank, mm -hmm. uh, Bank of Ireland, mm -hmm. and TSB. So, sir, here is you say you have only three bank out AIB, Bank of Ireland, and permanent TSB, right? So, what I'm going to do now is that I'm going to differentiate which one is for you and which one is used for the criminal, okay? okay. So, just to, make, uh, just to differentiate the bank account, so can you please tell me the rough amount which you have in your bank account? In my AB, I'd have about, I'd have about, about seven, about 85, I've actually 85,000 in my every bank account. And my... This is your saving or a current? It's my savings. And my, okay. my bank of Ireland, I'd have, I'd have just 300, 375,000 in my bank of Ireland account. And my TSB bank account is just for my children's savings. I've nearly almost 
900,000 in that for my kids, my children. Okay, you say in your AIB account, that is your saving amount, 85,000. And Bank of, Bank of Ireland, you say 37,500, right? Yeah. And in your permanent, in your permanent DSP, you say you have 9,000. 90,000, that's for my children. 90,000. Oh, got it. So here, uh, all, uh, all your bank account, the money which you say, these are all saving account, right? Yes, that's right. You don't have any current account, right? Current amount. No, they're not savings. They're everything. everything that's, they're just savings, yeah. Okay, sir, here, you listen to me carefully. Here, your PPS number has been indulging for numerous credit card debt, unsecured loan, car loan, and medical bills of more than 100,000 euros, which are still pending on your name, and it demands a rigorous imprisonment of 30 years and penalty of 200,000 euros, okay? So do you have any valid explanation about this case? No, I, I, did, I, did, I didn't do any of those, no. Okay, so here, sir, your national crime agency wants us to go ahead with legal processing by issuing a non-built arrest warrant. The moment we go ahead with this legal processing, your PPS number will get suspended, and all your bank account, debit card, credit card will get seized by the federal government since there is a charge of money laundering against your name, okay? And even your passport will get revoked as you're not allowed to fly of the state. And you will face a charge of at least five counts for drug trafficking and four counts for money laundering, okay? So do you accept all these allegations under your name? Oh, you haven't done any of those. So, sir, here, as you say, as we have been a close watch on you and even gone through your foster code. So, after this investigation from your foster code, we believe that this might not have been done by you, okay? Now, the reason why we call you before arresting you and sending you an illegal notice is only because as we start in this Hanoi state of drug trafficking is being carried out by the criminal, who are still at large, but we don't have any evidence to perform their criminal activity. Right now, you have two options. Option number one, you can give me the number for your local Garda station. Let me talk to them. And if they can understand the situation, that is not done by you and give a resolution option for the thing. Okay? Okay. Okay. So, can you please give me the number for your local Garda station? Hold on one second, let me get it here, okay? Okay, you take your time, and once you get it, let me know, okay? Okay, one second, I get the number. Sir, I'm here. Yeah, it's 021-494-6666. Mm -hmm. 6200, right? That's right, that's right. Okay, can you please tell me uh, what's the department name? It's Gronborough Hogarth Station, Cox City. Sorry? Grand Braha, Scarlet Station, Coxley. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. So, sir, here, now what I'm going to do is that I will be having conversation with your local Garda station regarding about your case. So stay connected with me. Do not disconnect the line. Once I'm done, I will say hello back to you, okay? Okay, okay, okay.
Yes, sir. Uh, I had a vote with your local guard regarding about your case, okay? So can I can I ask you where you're right now? I'm just going to the shop to get some some, some pencils, turkey. Hello. They're outside. Oh, yeah. So I just have to go to the shop to get some some. Sorry, can you please go somewhere in the quiet place? I can barely I can barely hear your voice. Okay, okay. Hold hold the line one second. Hold please. Hold. You already reached your house. I just had to run to the shop there to get cancer, Ricky, but I'm back home again. I'm okay now. Sorry? I'm, yes, I'm back home now. You're already back home? I'm back home, yes. I'm back home now, girl. I'm back home, my girl. What did the guardie say? Did they say everything was okay? Sorry? What did the police say about me? Was everything okay? Before giving out any further information, they say they want to have a word with you. Uh, so here I will be directly connected to your local guard station, okay? Okay, okay. Hello? Hello? Yes, Mr. William? Yes? Okay, uh, hello? Hello, well, can you hear me? How can I help you, sir? Hey, I was speaking to one of your colleagues and she's said, um, can I speak to the girl I was just speaking to? Hello? Hello? Hi. This is Fedora Morgan from Longford Garda Station. How are you? I, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, sir. So, uh, I had a quick call from the PPS department. They're concerning some serious issues on your PPS number. Did you spoke to them? Yes, she explained that some things after happening. You okay? Yes. Oh my God, I'm spending my life. What's happening? Oh my God, what's going to happen now? Hello? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Did he, did he say, did Terence say, <laughs> I'm just going to the shop to get cans for my tea? Is that, was that he said? <laughs> I mean, who would give, who would give money to this woman? I mean, who would really take that seriously? Uh, no disrespect to those who have done, but that's exactly the pattern there. That's Terence playing them along. We'll pick it up after the break. Hold on there. Just going down to the shop for some cans for my tea. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850 104 106. Okay, lines open at 1850 104 106. If you keep on uh, recording the scammers, I'll keep playing them. So if you can play along with them uh, and record it, we can edit down the audio. I'm happy to keep playing them. I just love that. Thank you, Terence. You're a superstar. Uh, arrest warrant out for his name. Different federal federal agencies investigating. The language is all wrong. She's clearly talking to a script. It's even uh, hard to follow her English. So there were several allegations that is uh, that his bank account was then used to open 25 fraudulent bank accounts that his bank accounts were then used to engage 10 million euro worth of fraud, drug trafficking, money laundering. Um, she then goes on, of course, to ask him how much is in your bank accounts. And uh, actually, I, ta- I totted up the money that was in Terence's bank accounts, it came to 212,000 euro. So she very cleverly then says, having done the maths herself, I suppose, she can add that um, he has 212,000 in the bank, so we're going to take a 200,000 euro penalty. You know, don't you love the way it's, we believe you and we don't want to arrest you yet and we're giving you two options. But who investigating somebody on the phone, who on the phone that says they have an arrest warrant for you asks you for the number of your local guard station. 
you kind of think they would know that, wouldn't you? And then when you give Grana Braher, why does another woman come on saying she's Fiona Morgan from Longford Garda Station? I mean, it's not even pro- like, OK, so it's to a script. But they're bad actors, and it's v- and the actual script of it, and the whole logic behind it leaves an awful lot to be investigated. To be um, to, leaves an awful lot to be desired. Give me the number of your local guard station. I suppose if it had gone on, that's when they would have moved on to bank account numbers and what have you. So that's what they are. I found that highly entertaining. I hope you did too. It's not entertaining, however, in the real world when people are caught by things, by a scam artist like that. So that's it. That's the, if you get one of those kind of calls, they're a scam and that's what they will sound like. So if you want to have some fun with them, be my guest. Lines will stay open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. I love you. I'll leave you with a, a few texts. Unfortunately, I didn't get to any of the uh, recommended summer songs. So tomorrow's Friday. We can have an awful lot of fun with the summer songs because I've left it up to you guys. Yeah, because clearly my choices apparently a bit like the scam calls left a lot to be desired. <clears throat> anyway, a couple of texts to close. I would love to. This is on curtain twitcher cribbing about uh, the couple in Portugal since May. I would love to know how your curtain twitcher emailer knows everything about her neighbor's business. She knows they're on pub payments, refuses to go back to work. She knows they have jobs that they refuse to go back to. She's a mighty woman. She must be psychic or has proven herself to be the most untrustworthy neighbor or friend in the country, says Anthony. Um, And I didn't get to many of the texts on indoor dining, which is happening on Monday, and the whole idea of presenting proof for entry proof of vaccination. The biggest respect goes to all of the pubs and restaurants and other places who decided not to open indoors, Neil, and to not discriminate against their loyal customers. If the president can't see this situation as segregation and medical apartheid, then people have to use common sense and do the right thing. No to vaccine passports. Shame on every government body who voted for this discrimination. I think I have an opportunity tomorrow to put some some of those points to Mary Lou MacDonald because she is very unhappy with what is being proposed uh, for Monday. And just one on weddings. My opinion is save the money, pay a part of the mortgage, just have a nice trip somewhere with your beloved instead of having a wedding at all. My girlfriend agrees with me on that. We are together over seven years now and we will soon have a child. One final one. Funny how all these people advocating bigger weddings sound like people who have never attended weddings themselves. Do they really think people would stay seated at a table of six for contact tracing? Do they really think that a wedding would finish at half past 11? Our lines will stay open, lads, and you can get involved. Text 0868104106. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.